Um, could the city clerk staff let me know for broadcasting? Uh, let me double check the web stream. Yep, looks like the web stream is coming online. Um, so we're good to go. I'll start the recording. Can you hear recording in progress? And we do have a quorum of the council present. Okay. Good evening. I now like to call to order this special meeting of the Berkeley City Council for Monday, February 27, 2023, 6.30 p.m. Um, before we proceed to a roll call, I'd like to ask the city clerk to play the COVID-19 meeting announcement recording. Stop the web stream real quick on my computer. Uh, bring it right up. Pursuant to government code section 54953E and the state declared emergency, this meeting will be conducted exclusively through teleconference and Zoom video conference. The COVID-19 state of emergency continues to directly impact the ability of the members to meet safely in person and presents imminent risks to the health of the attendees. Therefore, please be advised that no physical meeting location will be available. Please be mindful that this meeting may be recorded as any public meeting may be recorded and all other rules of procedure and decorum will apply for meetings conducted by teleconference or video conference. Live captioned broadcasts of city council meetings are available on cable BTV channel 33 and via internet accessible video stream on the city's website. To access the meeting remotely using the internet, join from a PC, Mac, iPad, iPhone, or Android device using the URL indicated on the agenda for this meeting. If you do not wish for your name to appear on the screen, then use the drop down menu and click on rename to rename yourself to be anonymous. To request to speak, use the raise hand icon on the screen. To join by phone, dial the number indicated on the agenda for this meeting and enter the meeting ID. If you wish to comment during the public comment portion of the agenda, press star nine and wait to be recognized by the chair. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, the first item on our agenda this evening is roll call. So I'd now like to ask the city clerk to please call the roll. Council member Kesarwani is absent. Kaplan. Present. Bartlett is absent. Harrison. Here. On. Present. Lindgraf. Present. Robinson. Present. Humbert is absent. And Mary Erdine. Present. And uh, Councilmember Kesawani is also now present. Kesawani is for the record. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. A quorum of the City Council is present, and we can proceed now to the action calendar. And as Mayor, I called the special meeting of the City Council to consider two items related to our eviction moratorium. Um, as the Council knows, the public may not know. Tomorrow evening, the City Manager has submitted an item. Um, to ask the council to consider a termination of our local um, state of emergency. And under the COVID-19 emergency response ordinance, Berkeley Municipal Code Chapter 13.110, um, uh, the eviction moratorium automatically 
ends upon expiration of the local emergency. However, the council has the ability under the um, COVID-19 emergency response ordinance, um, specifically under section uh, 13.110030, subsection A, has the ability to vote by resolution to extend the duration of the covered period. So um, before, before the council tonight are two items, the first being item one, a resolution extending the covered period for 60 days beyond the eventual expiration of the local emergency. And um, item two, our amendments to the COVID-19 emergency response ordinance to make substantive changes um, to the ordinance, which we'll get into in more detail um, shortly. Uh, The reason these are being brought forward tonight is because if the council wants to extend the covered period into which the eviction moratorium is in effect, we need to do so before we terminate the local emergency. Because if we don't do that before, then automatically the eviction moratorium will automatically go away. So I believe it's I believe it's appropriate for the council to extend the covered period, which is why I'm bringing this forward. And so now we'll proceed to item one, which is a resolution extending the covered period of the COVID-19 emergency response ordinance. And I will uh, share screen to pull up the item. Please bear with me. Um, as the author, I will um, provide introductory comments. Um, so this is a recommendation to adopt a resolution extending the covered period of the COVID-19 emergency response ordinance for 60 days beyond the eventual expiration of a local emergency. And as I noted, um, under the city's eviction moratorium, which has been in effect since March 17, 2020, uh, immediately upon the termination of the local emergency, the eviction moratorium will expire. Um, and the rationale for the recommendation is that if the city's eviction moratorium ends abruptly, there is a need to provide a transition to ensure that property owners and tenants are aware that the end of the moratorium is forthcoming and to provide a date in which lawful eviction notices can be served when tenants will be covered under state and local eviction laws. Um, simultaneously, we are considering a proposed ordinance. That ordinance would take 30 days to take effect. So whether it is whether the council terminates the local emergency um, or not, I believe that this is warranted. I think another thing to note is that the Alameda County's eviction moratorium um, automatically extends for 60 days after the end of the local emergency. And Alameda County Superior Court is basing that time frame upon which um, it will be entertaining uh, eviction cases. So essentially, 60 days after the local emergency, the Alameda County Superior Court is not going to be processing eviction cases. So aligning our the end of our eviction moratorium with Alameda County makes sense at the very least um, so that um, th- there is alignment and it provides that additional time for outreach. Um, and um, and so owners and tenants can be, be aware of the time frame and be aware of when the eviction moratorium will expire. So I, I think we need to put, I, I have the floor, Councilmember Weingraff. I, I know, but uh, Councilmember Humbert is trying to uh, access the meeting. He just texted me. He said he's on the telephone. Uh, he's, he's called in and he needs you to do something. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, he's on as a, um, as an attendee. 
and uh, when the, an attendee is calling in, they cannot be promoted to panelists. So he can hear the meeting. Um, and if he needs to, if he wishes to join the, to speak, then he could um, hit star nine. I see he's uh, the call at the number ending 3398. Okay. Yes. So I guess when we, if, we want, if Councilor Humber wants to speak, he presses star nine to yes. be added to the speaker's queue and I'll unmute him as well. Um, to give an opportunity to speak and then obviously to vote. Um, and what I'll do right now is I'll allow him to talk and he can just keep his mic muted and then unmute when he wishes to speak. Star okay. six to unmute. Star six to unmute. Okay. Going back to what I was saying, um, we need to take these actions. And thank you, Councilor Wengar, for yes. letting me know about that. I was not aware that um, he was on the attendee side and he should not be able to participate. Um, going back, if the council wants to extend the eviction moratorium, for 60 days or beyond that, we have to take that action before the local emergency terminates. Um, I once again believe that it, is, it, it makes sense to align the covered period with Alameda County's covered period, particularly because the courts are not going to be processing unlawful detainer cases until after that period of time. So that's why I, you know, I brought this forward for um, consideration this evening. And with that, I'd like to move adoption of item one. Is there a second? Second. Okay, so we'll now open up for questions and discussion from the council on item one, the resolution extending the cover period for 60 days beyond the eventual expiration of the local emergency. Um, Councilor Han, you're first in the queue. Yeah, thank you. I just wanted to um, thank you for bringing this forward. I think it's very important for us to do this. Um, it is not dependent on when the uh, emergency ends. It just says when it ends. We have a 60-day period, so I think that um, it tracks what what's being done in Alameda County, um, and we need to find a way to ramp things down where we don't have a sudden um, rush of, of evictions and of distress in our rental community. I did also personally check the... Um, Wastewater. I know it's not not very pretty, but um, I consider the wastewater numbers to be the most reliable uh, indicators of how COVID is doing in the East Bay. And I was actually quite surprised to see a very precipitous rise. Um, and so I think that we continue to have these kind of I won't call them wishful thinking. We actually are following what's going on with COVID. And if you looked at sort of mid-January, the levels were extremely low. Whereas today, um, the levels are essentially the same as December 8th, which is right after the surge that came with Thanksgiving. Um, well, it came in the wake of the Thanksgiving holiday. So I think the question of when the emergency over is is over is a moving target, but regardless of when it ends, we need to make sure there's a soft landing. Um, Alameda County is doing this. There's precedent for doing this in other jurisdictions. And I think it's a responsible thing to do. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Um, Council Member Wengram. Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, I, I, I support this. Um, 
because I think that we do need a little bit of time uh, to alert everybody. But I, I also think that we may be over over um, emphasizing the fact that people don't know what's going on. I mean, the mayor announced that he was going to end the emergency in October. Recording. One second. I think that was Councillor Humbert was unmuted. Um, there we go. So I, mean, I think Councillor Wengar, if I apologize, um, I think you're referring to the governor. The governor. I'm sorry. Yes, the governor. So the governor, you know, announced at the end of October that the um, that the emergency was going to be lifted um, actually tomorrow. So, you know, it's been out there for quite some time. I don't think it will be a surprise to anybody that the moratorium um, on evictions will follow. So I, I just want to I just want to say that. But since the county is doing this, I think it's important for us to be in sync, uh, in sync with the county. So I can support uh, at least this part of what we're looking at this evening. Okay, thank you. Um, Councilor Harrison? Um, yeah, as a, as a practical matter, someone who works for the courts, they're not going to run an unlawful detainer court for us. So if we're not in alignment with the county, it, it wouldn't matter in some ways because they'll just come out and say, well, we're not handling these evictions. So to make it clear what the rules are and what the timing is, we have to be consistent with the county. I think otherwise we're going to end up with people thinking they have rights that they actually will not be able to officially exercise in the court system. So thank you, Mr. Mayor, for bringing this forward. Councilmember Humbert is next. Yes, thank you. Um, and I'm sorry about my bandwidth problems. I have no idea what caused them. Um, and I agree with um, council members Wingraff and Harrison. Um, I'm, in, I'm inclined to vote for the resolution. Um, it's not, and it's also completely practical because the Alameda County Courts won't be accepting UD filings during that period. We need to get back on, on skips. So, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Are there any other members of the council that wish to speak at this time on item one? If not, we can now proceed to public comment on item one, which is the resolution extending the covered period of the COVID-19 emergency response ordinance. But prior to that, we'll go to Councilor Kisawani. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I And thank you for bringing these items forward so we can have this discussion. I just want to understand mechanically um, why you need the resolution and why you can't simply um, do everything in the ordinance. Is it be, If you could just explain that. Well, there's a lot of unknowns, <laughs> um, and it's a really excellent question. Um, time, there are timing issues, and there are things unknowns, um, and so we're really trying to hedge against a number of scenarios. Um, one, as, as as I mentioned previously, uh, we need to take these actions before we terminate the local emergency. I don't know; I can't predict whether tomorrow night we're going to terminate the local emergency, but if we do, it makes sense to have this in place. Because um, city managers recommended that we consider terminating the local emergency. If there are five council members that vote to do that, then we need to extend it for some period 
for all the reasons stated. I don't know whether item two is going to pass tonight. So at the very least, you need this in place if item two does not pass as well. So at least there's some minimum period of time where there's a transition after the end of the local emergency. If the council wants to adopt item two, a majority of the council to establish an additional transition period beyond the covered period, that's something that we could do. But at the minimum, I feel that we need to take the step to align with Alameda County. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of clarify those pieces because we're taking things in parts and the decision tomorrow is actually very relevant. So in the event that the council does not lift the emergency tomorrow night, the effect of this resolution, if passed, is that from whatever date that we do lift the emergency, let's just say it's just for simplicity, it's three months from now, this resolution says you add 60 days to whatever date that is, correct? Yes. Okay. So that could be tomorrow plus 60 days, or it could be some date in the future plus 60 days. Correct. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that point. Thank you. No, that's an excellent question because there are a lot of moving parts. And Alameda County, I think theirs is going to end tomorrow, but they have an item on the agenda and they may extend it. So there's a lot of moving parts and unknowns that we don't fully know today. I think we'll have some idea by the time we meet tomorrow evening about the status of Alameda County's state of emergency. Okay. Thank you very much. Councilor Taplin. Thank you. I want to thank the mayor and the 4x4. I support this. Okay. Thank you. So we'll now take public comment on item one, the resolution extending the cover period for the COVID-19 emergency response ordinance for 60 days beyond the expiration of local emergency. If you wish to speak on this item, item one, I know that we'll have speakers also on item two. Please raise your hand at this time. Okay. Okay. We'll now go to the first speaker, Ann Omura. Hi, this is Ann from the Eviction Defense Center. I wanted to thank and commend Mayor Jesse Adeguin for once again taking action to protect low-income and working-class renters in Berkeley, for always remembering the single moms, the elderly tenants on fixed incomes, disabled tenants, veterans, households with young children, and the immigrant community here in Berkeley. These are the tenants we see day in and day out at the Eviction Defense Center who've been devastated by the financial impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. These are the tenants who continue to struggle to get back on their feet. They're struggling to find stable jobs that pay as much as their pre-pandemic jobs, and they're struggling with the debt that accrued during the pandemic. Our office continues to see more than three times the number of clients that we saw pre-pandemic, with a huge increase in the number of tenants who need rental assistance. We desperately need a transition period for as long as possible to push out information and services to this very vulnerable population. And I'm sorry, I disagree. I don't think a lot of tenants in this community that we serve who are very, very disenfranchised and very, very vulnerable know what their rights are and know about the ending of the eviction moratorium. So please vote yes on both of these critical resolutions. Give us time that we need to infuse much more needed rental assistance funds into the community so we can soften the blow of the impending eviction cliff. And please consider not lifting the local state of emergency tomorrow. Thank you very much. 
Thank you. We'll go to our next speaker, Megan Gordon, followed by Leah Simon-Weisberg. Hi, my name is Megan Gordon. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Um, my name is Megan Gordon, and I'm one of the co-directors of the housing practice at the East Bay Community Law Center, uh, located in Berkeley. I want to commend the mayor and the city council for putting forth both of these proposed amendments, but specifically um, on item number one, I'm encouraged to see the support, the universal support, at least it seems, by the city council to extend the um, eviction moratorium for 60 days after the uh, state of emergency is lifted. I'd like to echo everything that Inomura said, um, and in particularly note that while it is true that there have, there have been a variety of public statements about the end of the state of the emergency, I don't believe that most of the tenants um, and even some of the landlords in this community as well are tracking this as closely as some might think. Um, and lifting the state of emergency doesn't necessarily mean for most folks that they believe that the eviction moratorium is ending. Having a 60-day window is going to allow us to educate the community and let them know that this moratorium is ending. And that will allow landlords and tenants to work together to either resolve any outstanding issues that are happening, apply for rental assistance, and make a plan that makes sense for our community. These abrupt, if we had an abrupt end of this eviction moratorium, I think we would absolutely see a mass flood of evictions, which is something that would just further destabilize our community. And so I would ask the, the I'm sorry, not the board. Um, I ask all of you in city council to follow and uh, please approve item number one and ensure that we have this essential transition um, to make sure the tenants have the information they need and landlords to ensure that we soften the blow um, on our community. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Leah Simon-Weisberg followed by Peter Solosky. Good evening, and um, this is Leah Simon-Weisberg, and I just want to, again, uh, echo what many of the um, speakers before me have already said, which is thank you for all of your leadership. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you for members from the 4x4 and the rest of the council. Um, you know, Berkeley has been very successful and, um, in terms of responding to the pandemic. I think this is going to be one of those events that city the city can look back at and say we did at almost every step. We were ahead of the game. We were the first city to pass um, the moratorium at the mayor's um, leadership. And I just really think it's, it is appropriate that we are also the first city in Alameda County to also say, okay, how are we moving forward? And I think that um, extending it those 60 days is, um, you know, a really important first step. And I look forward to um, the the very precise way in which um, the next uh, part of the the next um, item um, is going to help us with a uh, very effective ramp down. Thank you. Thank you. We'll go next to Peter Solosky, followed by Robin Davis. Peter, you should now be able to speak. Thank you. Uh, thank you. My name is Peter Solosky. I am a staff attorney with the Eviction Defense Center in Oakland. Um, I'd like to start by thanking the mayor for this item and thanking the city council for consideration of this important issue. As an attorney who defends evictions um, and working for the Eviction Defense Center, I can say from experience throughout the COVID pandemic, the city of Berkeley and Alameda County have very low numbers of evictions during COVID compared to Contra Costa County and other jurisdictions we're aware of. That is entirely thanks to local eviction moratoriums. 
However, tenants are still struggling to get back on their feet. They are struggling to catch up on their debt. Um, you know, people get behind uh, and sometimes they're in a hole. If protections end overnight, there will be a flood of unlawful detainers. Many of those will be for unpaid rent for tenants who are trying to catch up on COVID-19 related debt. Berkeley is considering a more responsible approach here with the proposal to establish a sunset period matching the county's moratorium and by phasing evictions in with item two. These items together will allow tenants and landlords time to adjust to the rules, get the legal help and information they need. It will also allow rental assistance if extended to get out into the community and make a difference for so many tenants who are vulnerable and need to stay in their homes. Uh, so I'm, I'm very glad to hear broad council support on this item. We also ask that you please pass item two tonight. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Our next speaker is Robin Davis, followed by Sam Sor Sorokin. Robin Davis, you should now be able to speak. Hear me? Yes, we can. Oh, okay. Um, as a lifelong Berkeley resident and a senior, um, understanding that 90% of the deaths that have happened so far with COVID have been with people over 50 years old. Currently, over 400 Americans are dying every single day of COVID still. Over 30,000 people are being hospitalized with COVID on a daily basis in this country still. Um, for older communities, the older you get, this is the pandemic is not over for young people. It may be a different situation. So please keep that in mind when you make your decisions for older Americans who have at no fault of their own been thrust into abject poverty and wondering what the hell we're going to do with no computer skills and trying to keep ourselves safe. So um, thank you for your consideration. And I really hope I don't, I just don't envy your situation at all. And um, it's, it's just overwhelming to, to just to deal with the darn computer. It's so frustrating and we're trying, we're trying to hold on and get it together, but um, it's, it's a different situation for us who are, have other health concerns and age and pre-existing conditions that put us into situations where being in large crowds put us at risk. So thank you. That's really all I have to say. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Sam Sorokin followed by Lilana Spindler. Sam Sorokin, you should now be able to speak. Please unmute yourself. Hello, this is Sam Sorokin. I appreciate the opportunity to speak. I'd like to say that I oppose this. I think that there's plenty of, of uh, knowledge that there is a end to this moratorium. It should have ended a long time ago. And the council members are talking about it uh, as if all this debt is going to be due uh, like in 60 days or, or even tomorrow. Uh, it's my understanding that uh, residents won't be able to be evicted unless they don't pay uh, their one month's rent. Uh, they don't have to pay all the back debt. And I'm sure there's going to be opportunities to uh, work with them. I know from personal experience in the properties that we manage that none of the people that have been basically not paying rent all this time 
They all have jobs. They all have the wherewithal. They're just taking advantage of the situation. This really needs to stop. And the fact that we are talking about a state of emergency is a bizarro concept. And the fact that the council isn't actually in chambers when they probably go to the grocery store or do other things is ridiculous. Uh, but that being said, no owner wants to evict a resident. We're in the business to house residents. We have been, we're first responders. We, we were the people that provided shelter. People needed to shelter in place during the pandemic. And it's time for us to get back to business. And everyone essentially just needs to start paying their rent. So this needs to end as soon as possible to protect owners and to protect their livelihood and to provide clarity to those tenants that it's time that they need to start paying at least their next month's rent. Thank you. Our next speaker is Lilana Spindler, followed by Sarah. Lilana, you should now be able to speak. Okay, thank you. Um, though I'm not at this time hoping to evict anyone, I would like to speak against this proposed legislation. Non-paying tenants have had plenty of time to either catch up on rent or to move out if the agreement they signed no longer meets their needs. But if you do pass this extension, then it's only right that you would make arrangements to forgive the various taxes that landlords must pay. These are the business tax due tomorrow, property tax due April 10th, and the rent board fees due July 1st. If you pass this extension without accommodations, then the landlord should, or home or taxpayers should band together for a tax revolt. Thank you. Our next speaker is Sarah, followed by Mark Janowitz. Hi, um, my name is Sarah Davis, and I oppose um, extending this eviction moratorium. I'm a small landlord in Berkeley. I have one property, and this eviction moratorium has harmed me. The emergency has long been over, and continuing the eviction moratorium is just an incredible, egregious abuse of power on the part of the Berkeley City Council. For landlords who have not received rent in years, every single month counts, and continuing to find reasons to extend this when the emergency is over is just ridiculous. In every City Council meeting I have attended about this, City Council members have spoken only about what tenants suffer, but as landlords, we cannot continually pay mortgages, taxes, insurance, and repairs without rent. Please make an amendment if you do pass this that will allow all landlords in Berkeley to not pay taxes, rent board fees, and please take on their mortgages, repairs, and all their other costs. The ultimate result of extending this moratorium is that people are not putting properties on the market. I currently know of three houses that are now sitting empty in Berkeley because owners are not going to put anything on the market as long as the eviction moratorium is in place. This has really scared a lot of people from entering the market permanently because they just don't trust the city council to support landlords and to be able to run businesses in Berkeley. Thank you for the time. We'll go next to Mark Janowitz, followed by Omo Wally Fowles. Mark Janowitz, you should now be able to speak. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, council members. I just want to say this is a sound and reasonable proposal to deal with a very, very complicated situation 
we we might think that that people have a lot of information and have had uh, years to get information. Well, the information has been a moving target. There's been a the, these ordinances, the moratoriums have been enacted. They've been enacted for a brief period of time for, because of necessity, 60 days, and reenacted and changed. There is tremendous confusion. I work with East Bay Community Law Center as a housing uh, an attorney, and I can tell you the calls we get uh, are are mainly about what the heck is going on, what, what is the status of the moratorium, can I be evicted, can I be sued for nonpayment of rent, uh, Probably among a certain portion of our population, there is information, but we know that not everybody has the privilege of being able to keep up with with all these really, really complicated situations. So this is actually a very reasonable and sound uh, matter of public policy to deal with a very complicated uh, situation. And it is one that is designed to mitigate the negative impacts on the entire community. Nobody likes uh, the homeless situation. Uh, nobody likes to uh, to deal with it. You're only, of course, going to exacerbate it if you if you go ahead willy nilly with without a well thought out policy. I just want to remind all of us that that the on the state level, the state has expanded small claims jurisdiction so that landlords can sue for any amount of unpaid rent without evicting people. You can have the, the all the advantages of a, of a lawsuit for um for for back rent, and you don't have to um, contribute to a terrible situation on the ground on the street. You can get judgment for your rent and collect it as any other judgment and keep people in your homes. This is a sound, reasonable, conservative approach, and we thank you for your consideration and your passing of it. Thank you. Our next speaker is Omowali Fowles, followed by Paola Laverde. Omawale Fowles, you should not be able to speak. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor and council members. Um, thank you for taking the leadership on this issue. We are definitely in favor of the passing of the 60-day moratorium on item one. We are also in favor of making sure that those who have outstanding rent issues are able to pay their monthly as well as some portion of their back rent. And we think that if the Council looks closely at the propositions that were voted in in 2018 and 2020, not to mention the one that was voted in in 2022, designed to help people not be homeless anymore. I think that a preventive perspective, not evicting people or not creating more homelessness would also allow you to uh, fund homeowners who have outstanding debt because I listened to what there was what the um, opponents of number one were saying in terms of those taxes and the April the April payments and the uh, July 1st payments. And I think it's reasonable to use the housing money that we have for homelessness to prevent homelessness by passing the 60 day moratorium, but also extending the um, funding for rental assistance, expanding that because it's not enough. And so I think if you look at those two options, you'll find some sort of balance that we're not just all pro-tenant or all pro-landlord. I'm a tenant. I'm in the same condition as a lot of other people. And so I know how tenants feel. And it's a bad feeling to think that you're going to be thrown out tomorrow in 24 hours. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you for voting yes on number one. 
Thank you. Uh, our next speaker is Paola Verde, followed by Moni Law. Hello. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and City Council. I do appreciate uh, you having put this on your agenda tonight. It is true that there are many older seniors who have lived in their in their apartments for a long time, very impacted by COVID, very impacted by COVID, and very much afraid to go out into the world. COVID is not has not finished, and I agree with the caller earlier. Um, the older community is still threatened by COVID. So it is something that really needs to be taken into consideration because we do know uh, as a former rent board commissioner, I am aware that landlords are targeting long-term rent controlled tenants. And if they're elder and they've been impacted by COVID, they are prime targets. So by passing these first 60 days and aligning with Alameda County it is very, very important. So there are tenants struggling. So please take that into consideration. COVID is still here. And um, um, I just also want to mention that people saying that they have to pay rent board fees, it's only $250 a year. It's a fraction of one month's rent. So it's not a hardship. It's something that provides services because, um, because there's a lot of services that the rent board will be providing to tenants who may be impacted by, uh, by the eviction. Uh, evictions are coming, unfortunately, but, and I agree, you have to have a certain amount of education. If you're a, a, a person who doesn't speak uh, English and you're, you know, you depend on some foreign language uh, uh, media, it's Spanish or Chinese, not necessarily you're going to be getting the information you need. Sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't. So this is really important for us to focus, for the city to focus on doing really good outreach so everybody understands their rights and their responsibilities. Thank you for your time and yes, and thank you for voting yes on item one. Our next speaker is Moni Law, followed by Lee Gail Gruen. Good Moni evening. Uh, yes, good evening, Mayor and Council. Thank you very much um, for this item, Mayor, for bringing it forward. I speak in my personal capacity and not in my day job capacity, but I am a tenant in Berkeley, a Cal alum, and a city employee. I am also a landlord and a tenant. Um, and I'm uh, quite sensitive to both sides of this conversation. COVID remains a clear and present danger, as stated by prior speakers. I have friends who have died from COVID. I have family members who are at high risk of dying if they were to get COVID. So we also get weekly statements from the city manager's office of city employees who are still contracting COVID. Two or three in one day, another another day, they're weekly. And as Council Member Hahn pointed out, the sewer reports tell the truth as to what is in our sewer is also coming from our bodies with respect to COVID virus. We're in a predicament. It's a legitimate um, emergency that we still face for tenants that will add to the homeless population, which we do not want. But we also have a predicament with small property owners who are in need of rent arrears to be paid. So the $10,000, $20,000, dollars in arrears I'm aware of. But I also know those tenants are also behind in that rent. Not all of them are working and um, gaming the system in any way. There are people who are legitimately without income and are suffering and struggling. So I fear that many of them uh, who have those rent arrears will fall off that cliff and into the abyss. So I thank um, Anna Murrah and her staff, but also their attorneys who assist landlords and advise, and also be aware that the rent board does advise landlords and tenants. 
And rental assistance will hopefully accompany this proposal so that landlords could be paid their rent that's in uh, rears and the tenants can be relieved of that debt and that stress. Thank you very much for your consideration and your attention. Thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Lee Gail Gruen, followed by Jessica G. Lee Gail Gruen, you should now be able to speak. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. The pandemic is over, according to the President of the United States. Our own California governor will end the COVID state of emergency tomorrow. For the majority of people who get COVID now, it is like a bad cold. Wastewater may show COVID, but it is no longer a life-threatening disease any more than the flu is. The moratorium discourages housing providers from maintaining their property beyond just enough to keep it habitable. So outside painting, repairs, and gardening are dispensed with, which results in shabby-looking, deteriorating neighborhoods. The moratorium causes mom-and-pop operations with non-paying tenants to have to sell out at reduced value because who will pay much for a building with depressed income? It's usually corporate housing providers who swoop in to buy at very discounted prices. Berkeley professes not to want more corporate owners, yet it is enabling just that by continuing the moratorium. The moratorium forces housing providers to contribute to the support of people not of their choosing, and it results in even tenants who can afford to pay rent to not do so because they know there are no consequences. They are not stupid. They can read the invisible sign in front of Berkeley City Hall, which says, move to Berkeley, free rent. Extending the moratorium and then with an additional 60 days beyond that to non-paying tenants allows them to continue to stay rent-free for that, for you're talking 60 days and then another 60 days, that's four more months minimum. If they know it ends tomorrow and they have 60 more days, they may attempt to negotiate with the property owner. Winding down or what courts are or not going to do is not relevant. Thank the you, moratorium. Okay. Thank you. Our next speaker is Jessica G, followed by Daniel. Jessica G, you should now be able to speak. Uh, yes, good evening, Mayor, and good evening, Council. My name is Jessica Graham, and I'd like to share my experience in opposition to extending the eviction moratorium. My grandparents moved to Berkeley from Memphis in 1961, and the family has been here ever since. Last year, I was in a position to purchase and preserve the house that has been in my family for over 60 years. I made this decision with careful consideration to preserve the existing tenant and under the assumption that the existing tenant in the ADU would continue to pay rent. Unfortunately, that tenant has not paid rent since I closed in September. We are now six months back due. To make matters worse, I had an electrical fire in December and I've been living in a hotel for three months, displaced from my own home while extensive repairs take place. A month after the fire, I was laid off from my job. I believe in and support Berkeley's strong tenant protections in place, but we need to explore ways to support, notify, and educate tenants while also supporting people like me, a single Black woman, a homeowner working hard to protect the legacy of my family and my future. 
Extending the moratorium is a hardship for me during a very difficult time while I am displaced from my home and unemployed. I would like nothing more than to follow due process, secure a paying tenant, and contribute to the available stock of affordable rental units in Berkeley. Please help me and other small housing providers like me. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Daniel, followed by Catherine Rose. Daniel, you should not be able to speak. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. All right, thanks. Um, yeah, I'm, um, let's see, I'm a small-time property owner. I just bought my uh, property before COVID, and, um, yeah, it's been three years um, since I haven't been able to um, move into our, our property. Um, I I know um, a lot of other landlords that, are affected much worse than me, and that I guess I'm, I'm not. I'm definitely not in the worst case scenario. That, from what I've heard, um, so I, uh, I, I, I do. I am a tenant, and I hope to be a, a live-in property owner one day. Um, I know this moratorium. It, it, it is. People, people are scared of it ending, but um, we, we have history of other places in the United States where their moratorium has ended and there was no tsunami, there was no um, large eviction um, with the tenants back then. Um, so I I think it's been long enough. Three years is, is quite a while to, um, to wait um, for a lot of these other landlords, small-time landlords like myself. Um, so I... I really hope we can encourage more new housing in Berkeley. And I think this is scaring away a lot of what would be properties that get developed into more housing that we, more new housing that we greatly need. Um, and right now it's just, it, it doesn't seem like we're encouraging that and definitely scaring away um, large developments or even small developments that take years to build. So um, thank you for your time and thank you guys all for your uh, hard work on this topic. Thank you. Our next speaker is Catherine Rose, followed by Carrie Huey. Catherine Rose, you should now be able to speak. Oh, hi there. Thank you. Um, I'm a Berkeley tenant, um, low income um, older with some invisible disabilities. I have a lot of sympathy for the small landlords that are not getting rent so that they can't survive. I really do. And I hope there's some kind of a solution that supports helping them pay their fees as well as helping tenants who have not been able to get back to work. COVID is still a big threat for me. A lot of people I know as well. I still do hear of COVID deaths. They are still happening. So I'm of the like that it hasn't ended. It's just inconvenient to have to keep declaring it uh covid that's uh, of my uh thinking but what i wanted to say is that um there's another sect of people for whom this moratorium protects during covid and that's those of us who do pay our rent and who are good tenants but don't have any protection because we live in duplexes that don't carry any rental protection at all and so i have to say as one of those people the moratorium has allowed me to go to sleep at night knowing that I won't be kicked out. Um, so there is that 
uh, too, I realize it's like a whole other topic, the whole golden uh, duplex concept of uh, uh, issue of, of no protection. But I'm one of those folks. And so I just wanted to be a voice of someone that uh, says, like, for me, COVID is real and I could use, I, I'm constantly a threat for being evicted because I don't have um, uh, the, the just cause uh, protection and I pay my rent and I'm quiet. I'm a good tenant, but I have conflict with my landlady. So just want to be a voice for this, uh, for, for this other sect of people like myself um, who, who can go to sleep at night because of this protection. Thank you. Okay, uh, Carrie Huey is our next speaker, followed by Melissa Knapp Johansson. Carrie Huey, you should not be able to speak. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm a property owner in Berkeley um, and have a ton of sympathy for people who are having trouble paying their rent. Um, I worked multiple jobs to save up enough to buy the properties that we have, um, and I continue to do to work those multiple jobs to make sure I have enough to cover all the expenses plus our living expenses because maintenance on the buildings are really expensive and there's always things that pop up. But my question is, why is my family being required to pay for housing for those who cannot instead of any of yours? Why is extending this moratorium the only proposal by the city to address this? You're continuing to force property owners, a group of private citizens, to pay the cost of housing for another group of private citizens. Are any of the lawyers or people calling in supporting this extension offering to cover these tenants' rent personally? Is it coming out of their personal income? Separately, these policies that protect bad tenants at any cost are hurting the very people you're trying to protect. In the short term, they stay in, sorry, that's one of my kids in the background. Um, in the short term, these tenants are staying in their units, but a property owner that has no recourse with a bad tenant means they have to be incredibly careful in tenant selection to eliminate even the possibility of an eviction. An eviction that, due to Berkeley's policies, will cost tens of thousands of dollars. You're making it harder and harder for anyone with lower credit, questionable employment history, and low funds to find a place to rent for years to come. I would love to give someone a second chance, but these policies have made it financially stupid to do so. I'd have to put my family's financial risk, my family's financial health at risk to help someone else, which means choosing my kids over someone else. Thank you for the time. Our next speaker is Melissa Knapp Johansson, followed by Sam Hickey. Melissa, you should now be able to speak. Please uh, unmute yourself if you wish to speak on item one. Hi, thank you. This is Melissa Knapp Johansson, and my husband and I are small property owners in Alameda County, in Berkeley, and in Oakland, and we are absolutely against continuing the emergency ordinance and we are appalled that the city of berkeley has allowed the ordinance to continue as long as it has bravo to miss law's opinion um, as she spoke earlier in regards to the effect of what this moratorium has had on business owners we pay the mortgages for the people. We pay the property taxes, the insurance, the repairs, the business licenses, the wrap fees, the utilities. Three years is an excessive amount of time for this ordinance to continue. 60 more additional days when 
we believe, my husband and I, that tenants and landlords have been very, very well educated and that the impression that we are targeting tenants is not is not true and <clears throat> we would ask the mayor and the rest of the body of government to please do not pass an additional 60 days and item number two as well we are here for the people we house the people but we are financially impacted in a significant way, especially with multiple housings. Please do not support this action. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Sam Hickey, followed by Jonah Gottlieb. Sam Hickey, you should now be able to speak. Hello, Mr. Mayor and Council. Thank you for the time to speak. Um, I would like to oppose this extension. I am a property manager here in Berkeley, um, and I just wanted to give a little bit of the testimony that I have dealt with over the past three years. Um, I believe that this needs to end as we are now in year three. This has been plenty of time for folks to get and receive aid. The fact that we as property managers have been boots on the ground the entire time with no pay increases no extra money from the government each month during the height of the pandemic. This is unlike many residents I have personally seen using their unemployment money and aid on new things like new furniture, clothes, cars, etc. Pretty much everything besides their rent. Personally here on our property I've been waiting over six months for one check for a resident who did the right thing, has been paying down their balance, and has been in constant communication with me. Continuing the moratorium is enabling many folks who have been abusing the system. We have residents who have not paid rent since their move-in over a year ago. These residents never applied for aid, are literally hiding from us as property managers. They are currently driving a brand new BMW and working a full-time job. Another is a two-income household who have already received $50,000, yet now only $25,000 more. These residents have figured out that they are able to harass staff as they know nothing can be done to make them leave. This has been very difficult the past three years to have to suffer the abuse on a regular basis. The fact that we are not that they are not paying rent is not just hurting property owners, but also is detrimental to the building as yearly repairs and services are not able to be paid for. These people have jobs, have had jobs, and are just refusing to pay. Um, many properties are not able to make the necessary security improvements as cash flow is low to non-existent. Thank you very much. If you can please conclude your comments, we'd appreciate it. Um, we are not able to do the necessary improvements as crime is going up in the city and is impacting many businesses and properties. This is truly Thank for you. the property owners and residents. Our next speaker is Jonah Gottlieb, followed by Carol Curtis. Jonah, you should now be able to speak. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, my name is Jonah Gottlieb. I'm the secretary of the Berkeley Tenants Union. Um, I'm also a undergraduate student at UC Berkeley. Um, I want to remind our community about the historic uh, labor uprising that took place in our city and uh, across the state just a few months ago, 
with the historic uh, graduate student workers strike with um, housing being one of the chief concerns. And obviously the UC plays a massive role in uh, student housing, but so many students and student workers and faculty rely on private housing in the city of Berkeley uh, to be able to live and go to school in the community that they love. Um, and so when we're thinking about um, when we're thinking about students, we need to really understand that so many student workers, if they lose their jobs, if they get COVID, which many of my friends have actually done in the past couple weeks um, and are not able to work because they don't have paid sick leave, they don't have uh, hazard pay or anything like that, um, if they lose income and are put at risk, they can be put out on the street and are suddenly unable to afford their rent um, in Berkeley and are, may have to drop out of school um, or leave their positions on campus. Um, and so I thank you uh, for providing um, an extension and a way to uh, reasonably ramp down um, the moratorium in a way that gives tenants time to prepare um, for the impending end of the moratorium without being put on the street immediately. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Carol Curtis, followed by Ken Suboy. Carol, you should not be able to speak. Thank you for allowing me to speak uh, tonight. Um, I, you know, I'm fine with another 60 days because, you know, as you said, Alameda County is not going to be accepting any eviction lawsuits until then anyway. But my concern is that if you vote on this for another 60 days following the end of the eviction moratorium, you are going to extend the eviction moratorium and it's going to be another several months. And I just want to tell my story. And that's that I'm the owner of a, a duplex, two five-bedroom apartments, and I've had a, a tenant move in, brought in by his housemates, but unfortunately um, is a very malicious, um, disturbed person, managed to drive out all of his housemates and then stop paying rent, and is now trying to harass the tenants in the other apartments so that they will leave. Um, he he's, has weapons that he has shot on the premises, he finally um, shot uh, a water main uh, just a week or so ago, and the police were called and 5150'd him. And, of course, he was back within 24 hours. My, this is also affecting other tenants, My, you know, the ones that were already displaced and the ones that are still at the property and are too scared to even take out a restraining order on him for fear of reprisals because nobody feels that the police can do anything, and it seems that they really can't. Um, as to the, 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 um, I, he's now owes me, you know, I'm, I'm $45,000 I've lost in rent. I did take him to small claims court, but you cannot sue for more than $10,000. I think that may have been true for a very short period of time, but, um, that is not the case. So I sued for $10,000 and, you know, got no judgment and he's not going to be able to pay anyway. So please provide us some relief, both Thank landlords you. and tenants. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Ken Suboy, followed by Linda Yu. Please forgive my pronunciation of your last name. Should not be able to speak. Ken, if you wish to speak on item one, please unmute yourself and go ahead. 
Yes, thank you, council members and um, Mr. Mayor. Um, it's my belief that the council should place greater um, consideration on unintended consequences. In my particular case, I'm a small property owner. I am highly dependent on rental income. Um, my tenant is gainfully employed and can afford to pay rent, but he likes not to. Is quite familiar with the um, ordinances in place. Um, it's a story that I believe is shared among many others who have spoken here. Um, I appreciate the concerns of the homeless problem. However, allowing tenants to shirk fundamental responsibilities <clears throat> has not only imposed anxiety and fear onto me, but allowed latitude to folks not to honor their end of the bargain. Um, one last thing. I can't speak to the body of work at the Eviction uh, Defense Center. It's probably all very good. Um, but in my particular case, um, the authoring of letters on behalf of tenants with blatant inaccuracies um, has exasperated um, the problem in allowing um, tenants to believe that laws can be modified to their liking, which is the same thing as saying there is no rule of law. Um, thank you for your time and consideration, and I hope that you um, consider um, there are a lot of folks out there that wish um, the moratorium to be ended. Thank you. Our next speaker is Linda Yu, followed by Aaron uh, Reuter. Linda Yu should now be able to speak. Hi, um, good evening, everyone. My name is Linda Yu. I'm the co-director of the housing practice at the East Bay Community Law Center located in Berkeley, and I'm calling in to support item number one as well as item number two. I'm thanking the mayor for bringing this item to everyone's attention and the city council for supporting this item. The 60-day window allows us to reach monolingual tenants, single mothers, struggling children, elderly tenants, and disabled veterans who may have limited access to technology and social media to get the information they need and access to the legal advice to maintain their stable housing. We get call after call from Berkeley tenants who don't know when and whether the moratorium has lifted, often being subject to harassment and violence at the hands of their landlords who are equally confused as to whether and when the eviction laws currently allow. I haven't spoken to a single tenant who has the income to pay for rent but chooses to live under constant threat by their landlord, living under collapsed walls or flooding floors that landlords refuse to repair. It is not a state of living that many tenants on fixed or no incomes are reveling in. This window not only tracks the county's moratorium language, but it will minimize the frustration that even landlords will feel when they find the courts are not equipped to address a wave of unlawful detainers overnight. Small claims courts, however, are already prepared and available for processing landlord suits seeking unlimited amounts for back rent claims against tenants without throwing tenants out into the streets and contributing to the homelessness population in Berkeley. Both tenants and landlords benefit from the 60-day period of time to learn their rights and make informed decisions about resolving their housing conflicts, perhaps even before going to court. When eviction moratoriums ended in the surrounding Bay Area cities, evictions have skyrocketed. Eviction filings soared 43% in our neighboring county, Contra Costa alone. Learning from this data, even LA County has extended their eviction moratorium to the end of March 2023. So I hope that you all follow in suit, and thank you for approving item number one. Our next speaker is Aaron Reuter, followed by Laura Bixby. Aaron, you should now be able to speak. Thank you, Council Mayor. Uh, you know, 
really appreciate your guys' time. I know these are not easy issues, and your guys' commitment to your job is really impressive, and I, and I really appreciate your service to our community. Uh, with that said, I, I am here to say I, I, I urge you all to vote no to extending this eviction moratorium. Uh, the impact on small housing providers such as myself ha has been excruciating. I had one resident move in in September of 2021, paid the first month rent, and then has not paid rent since October of 2021. The resident is employed, has never lost their job, and is and has never and has never been negatively impacted because of an infection of COVID-19. They're only using the public health emergency ordinance as a cover to not pay rent. In my opinion, this madness has just got to stop. You know, frankly, we are very lucky because they're the only resident who's using the public health emergency to withhold rent. I know numerous other small property owners who are owed rents well in excess of $100,000 and who may never come back from this financially. You know, at the end of the day, we're not rich people, and our rental property is our only asset that provides retirement income and gives us the ability to live here in this great city of Berkeley. You know, what, what pains me the most is there really has been no shared sacrifice. The city and county still demand your property taxes, your business taxes, fees. The bank still demands their debt payments. The public utility companies still demand their water, gas, electric, and garbage payments. Real small property owners, the only ones required to bear the brunt of this, when instance after instance, instance, it is bad faith actors like my residents who are clearly and shamefully working the system. I urge you to end this moratorium now. Please vote no. Thank you for your time. Our next speaker is Laura Bixby, followed by L. Thomas. Laura Bixby should not be able to speak. <laughs> Good evening. Uh, my name is Laura and I'm a renter in Berkeley as well as a mother. I'm also a lawyer at East Bay Community Law Center working with low income tenants in Berkeley. First, I just want to make clear that this proposal we're discussing is just to give a 60 day window before the moratorium lifts. It's not to keep the moratorium forever. It's to give us a ramp down to prepare our communities. Second, I've listened to comments of landlords complaining about tenants who aren't paying rent, but are supposedly super wealthy, working, driving new cars. If that's actually the case, there is and has been a remedy for landlords to collect rent from these non-paying tenants. The state has made it possible for landlords to sue for rental debt in small claims court. You don't need a lawyer to do that. The filing fees are very low, and the state eliminated the limits on the amount you can collect. So if these tenants actually can afford to pay the rent, then these landlords can collect that money regardless of the moratorium. But the fact is that many, if not most of the tenants who have accrued rental debt, who are the tenants that I work with, are very low income. They fell behind on their rent back when we had shelter in place orders. We had many impacts. We had restaurants shutting down. And since these tenants are on low incomes or fixed incomes, they haven't been able to climb out of that hole of rental debt. To help those tenants, we need time to prepare. We need an expansion of rental assistance, and we need to prepare this community for what to do when the moratorium lifts. Um, someone else earlier said that there was not a flood of evictions when the moratorium lifted elsewhere, but that's not true. Um, Contra Costa County saw a huge flood of evictions when their moratorium ended. We need a gradual end in Berkeley to make sure we don't 
increase our unhoused populations and hurt the most vulnerable among us. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is L. Thomas, followed by the call with the number ending 060. L. Thomas, you should now be able to speak. Uh, good, good evening, uh, Council, and uh, thank you very much, Mayor. Uh, my name is Lucky Thomas, and I'm a property owner uh, in, this, in the city of Berkeley. A retired firefighter uh, as well, uh, worked 30 years in the city, and uh, during uh, my early years, uh, I acquired property in Berkeley. Uh, for just as many reasons that you've heard for supplementing uh, retirement uh, for my family. Uh, and just um, within the last two years, I lost both of my parents. Uh, what really helped me get along and really helped pay uh, medical bills were, was the ability to have uh, my rents and from my property and a property uh, perform like it was supposed to. And that, that was because of years of planning. And uh, but uh, getting to the moratorium, you have a situation where you have owners who sacrificed for over three years or nearly three years. And uh, the moratorium uh, across the state has been lifted. But yet uh, in Alameda County and our local uh, cities, Oakland, Berkeley, uh, have not San Leandro, as I understand, have not lifted their moratoriums. And so. Um, the question is, uh, you know, there are uh, seniors who are impacted by this. They're, they're, um, they look for their uh, income uh, for their retirement. They look for, for their medical. And the city must end the moratorium. The other thing that I've heard is that, you know, that we've been hearing in the news that there's supposed to be the tsunami of, um, of evictions. Well, uh, the, the numbers in Contra Costa County can be disputed. Uh, however, uh, the, as I know it, I'm in contact with many property owners, and uh, it, it appears more there's, there's going to be a tsunami of foreclosures of small property owners unable and in bearing this, this weight of uh, carrying um, uh, the moratorium. Um, but there, there needs to be rental assistance programs that the uh, city, city Thank you, and sir. the county need to look into and to uh, facilitate uh, Thank providing you very much. Uh, rents for owners and making uh, um, for, for tenants and making owners whole. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is to call with the number ending 060. Um, and I'll, I'll, when we get to council discussion, I'll speak to our um, COVID-19 uh, emergency <laughs> rental assistance program. Ms. Uh, Carol okay. Um, the last three years have been marked by confusion for all of us. So why would we expect tenants to be carefully following everything the city council is doing and the county is doing and, and understanding exactly when the moratorium uh, is going to end? Uh, some people probably believe it has already ended. Uh, it, it's, just, it, it's just a time of great confusion. This 60 days is necessary, has a transitional period. Uh, the courts are already going to be flooded with filings, and the excessive filings are going to put everything back anyway, uh, so that there are going to be delay, additional delays. So th this item should be approved. Um, I believe we do have foreclosure assistance. If we don't, the city should be uh, assisting uh, the small landlords with foreclosure assistance and advice. Uh, the last thing I want to note is it, it would be helpful if the eviction defense center, the East Bay Community Law Center, whoever is working with the clients that are receiving housing retention monies, who are representing them in unlawful containers, documents the reasons very carefully 
uh, for the tenants falling behind so that if these are systemic issues that need to be addressed, the city can otherwise address them. Uh, if it is a matter of tenants being targeted, then address that. If it's a matter of health issues or employment development or employment that needs to be had, then someone should be assisted with employment development if that's necessary. Uh, so that the city can target these needs and make sure that these tenants don't fall into the same situation again after the moratorium ends. Thank you. Our next speaker is Megan, followed by Ida Marchinek. Good evening, Council, and I thank you for bringing this item. Uh, I am speaking uh, on my personal capacity. I'm a member of the BTU Steering Committee, and I am a homeowner, and I am a tenant of the space that I uh, own a, a small um Business and that business is a physical therapy clinic. I see many patients who have been affected by long-term COVID who have lost their jobs, who are unable to return to their jobs. And as Bernie Sanders says, many people in America are just one illness away from being in the streets. Yes, it's, it's true. Our system is ruthless. And during this time, there have been some protections extended to tenants in the city of Berkeley, which have been used, I think, appropriately in many cases, although I do feel very badly and have great sympathy for the small tenants who, who tonight voice that some people are abusing the system. In, in all cases, people, some people are, are abusing many systems, including large landowners and landlords who are abusing the system, who got COVID money assistance and still continue to raise rents. So this is a situation of uh, dire importance. If we could extend this moratorium for three months, these people can find ways, hopefully better alternatives, and maybe the state and city governments will release funds for the back pay that they'll, they'll be responsible for, which will uh, eventually land many of them in the streets. I hope that you see the light and uh, support these these tenants who are struggling with long COVID or illnesses related to post-COVID syndrome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, Ida Martinak followed by Robin Hall. Uh, good evening, Mayor and City Council. Thank you for bringing this item. Um, Fourth, um, it seems to me um, it's uh, it's it's almost a mute issue. Uh, sorry, moot issue because if the courts are not processing uh, evictions, then um, even if some of these to bring it, it wouldn't go anywhere. Um, I think it's very important to extend this, and I hope you will vote for agenda item number one uh, uh, with a resounding yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, um, we'll go next to Robin Hall, followed by Deb. Robin, you should not be able to speak. Hi, um, I'm also a single mom, um, low income, and I have paid my rent throughout COVID. Um, unfortunately, I also stay in one of those places that are not protected. I, as a tenant, I have no rights. Um, I'm pretty sure I've been staying at my rental 
for over 10 years now. And I'm certain that my landlord would like to evict me um, so they can get in someone who will pay current what current market rate of rent is. As a low-income mom and if children go to BUSD, I will lose housing and will be homeless along with a lot of other people who are Berkeley natives who've lived here. My kids were born and raised here. I've been born, was born and raised here in the Bay Area in Berkeley and can no longer afford the high cost of living and the high rents that are plaguing this city. And that really makes me sad. Um, as well as so many other homeless people are in the same predicament who've been pushed out of Berkeley. As a Berkeley native, I feel like giving people the chance to at least have a cushion before we all fall, because ultimately, you know, um, people like me who are in golden duplexes are going to end up falling because as soon as the moratorium is lifted, we will be evicted. Um, even though we have paid rent, we haven't withheld rent due to COVID. I just really beg and plead um, for you not to put more people out on the streets that are already on the streets, low-income moms, kids on the streets. It's really horrible out there. It's awful out there. If you guys have walked around and seen, it's really awful conditions. And I beg and plead for you guys to approve both of these. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Deb, followed by Roger Halston. Deb, you should now be able to speak. Hi, I'm a, a one building owner in Berkeley. I'm in my 60s. I, um, I just, I agree with protecting people who actually need it. But I mean, this just doesn't make sense. Um, I agree with Carrie, who spoke earlier, that what you're doing is supporting a few people, but on the backs of the few unlucky landlords who happen to have renters that can't pay their rent or that decide not to pay their rent. The city, I mean, it's a good cause to keep these people from being evicted, but then the city should pay for that. Um, it doesn't seem constitutional, I don't know, legal to say, well, we want to protect these people, but you, 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 and you are the people who have to pay for it. I mean, we should all pay for it together. I, I don't think that by buying, I've, I've worked since I was 16 and saved money and I bought a property. I don't think that by doing that, I should be at risk of suddenly having this enforced situation where anybody can take advantage of me. I understand that lots of people are doing their best, but I mean, if you make a law like this, are you not required to pay for it, to support it? Shouldn't the city be, be doing that? I think in that case, you would be actually supporting the people who need it and making appropriate decisions about renters who are, not honoring their obligations when they are. And I was a renter for a long time. I mean, this, it doesn't make sense. And it's not fair to the people who have worked hard and finally bought a property. And, and now you put them at risk. You Thank you, ma'am. Our next speaker is Roger Halston, followed by Chris Moore. 
Roger Halston, you should now be able to speak. I um, agree very much with the previous caller. She's very politely stating what is apparent to all of us, which is that it's unfair to take resources from one group of people and then give it to another group without even means testing it. You're giving it to anybody who chooses to stop paying their rent. There's no justice in that. There's nothing fair in what you're doing here. The moratorium should end as soon as possible. The fact that you're allowing tenants to accrue this enormous debt isn't doing them long-term advantage. Yes, short-term, they get to live for free and spend their money on whatever they want. But in the long run, they're building up this debt that is going to hurt them. Their credit rating is going to be destroyed. I don't think my tenant, I have a single rental unit because it's attached to my home. It was the only way I could afford to buy a home. I've worked over 50 years, every year for 50 years so that I could be a property owner and live in my own home. And the only way I could afford it was by having this tenant. And it's a fantasy that billions of dollars are suddenly going to appear out of nowhere to pay for these back rents. There, there's no reason to think that giving extra time is going to change the fundamental fact that either they have the income to pay it or they don't. And if they don't have the income to pay it, there's no justice in taking the money from one group of people and giving it to them. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We'll go next to Chris Moore, followed by Daryl Gruen. Chris Moore, you should now be able to speak. Hello. Hey, thank you for letting me speak. Chris Moore, East Bay Rental Housing Association volunteer. Hey, I uh, I wanted to call in for the next point, but uh, there was a lot of misinformation earlier uh, said regarding small claims, and I just want to make sure that the council is clear on this. Um, small claims court, the extended COVID amounts were only allowed during what's called the COVID period, okay, set by the state. That started on May, March 1st, 2020. It ended on September 30th, 2021. That was 19 months. We're in month 36. You guys want to extend it another two. That, that takes another two months. So what that means is that, yes, during those first uh, 19 months, people in theory can sue for sue in small claims courts for the full amount due during that period. After that period, and after they wait 12 months for that entire amount, they ha they can sue for a maximum of $10,000, and then they could sue a maximum for $10,000 again. So if they have like three tenants that are screwing them over, which many are in the city of Berkeley with while working and, and have uh, their jobs and, and are traveling on vacation, they can only sue two of, two of them or maybe one for uh, two times, and then they got to wait you know, another calendar year to sue again. It's impossible to collect this rent. The, the, and, but they will, of course, go through and collect, or I'm sorry, sue for what they can. Um, and the tenants, thanks to the council and the county and, and everybody, they're saddling these renters with debt. It's going to be on their records for a long time. So they're not going to be able to get loans. They're not going to be able to get housing in the future. 
Um, you guys have created a real problem and you really should have ended as quickly as possible. Uh, no means test, real smart as well. Thank you. Daryl Gruen, followed by Sasha. Thank you. Can I be heard? Yes, we can hear you now. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, Mayor Ira Gein and uh, council members. Uh, I'm a small property owner in Berkeley. Uh, I work a full-time job in addition to being a small property owner, and I live in Berkeley. I have a tenant who has paid rent one month since January of 2022. While I worked to help my tenant receive rental assistance last year, he now has not paid rent for months and months since the rental assistance. My tenant tells me he went back to work in the middle of last year. He has made multiple promises that he will pay his rent both verbally and in writing and broken all of them. Each time I ask him to pay now, his response is he will eventually get me paid one way or another. By receiving the rental assistance, he has shown that he knows now that he can avoid paying rent for months on end, despite his written promise in his lease to pay monthly. I am waiting in line to pursue an action against him in small claims court, and the wait is approximately three months from the time I filed. I have reason to believe from his communications with me that my tenant will request an extension, thereby enabling him to continue his pattern of not paying rent if successful. My understanding is my tenant went back to work in the middle of last year. I said that, and he can pay his rent, but he's refused to do so. Um, regarding the argument that there should be a transition here, my tenant has shown a pattern of unwillingness to pay. There's reason to believe he will continue not to pay, and I will be damaged by that. My expenses continue, including taxes, insurance, maintenance, and mortgage. An earlier speaker said a similar experience. I'm losing money continually paying for him to stay there. I'm sympathetic to those tenants who are doing right by the system and need protection, but the system is pretending, protecting tenants like mine from abusing the system. Please do not continue the eviction moratorium, even for a short while. Thank you. Sasha is our next speaker, followed by Cecilia Lunapara. Yes, hi. Um, I'd like to follow up on what, what that gentleman said. Um, you are really making a decision that has no basis in fact, in terms of who is in need and who is not. And it's really incredible. Um, you have no idea who you're adding, you know, you're adding a few months and that's not a transition period. Anybody who's been following the news knows that the country, the state, you know, is going, the, the moratorium has ended. They've had their transition warning already. And you can't continue to harm small property owners such as myself. Now, I don't have a tenant who hasn't paid rent, but you have heard a lot of stories over the last, you know, whatever year, I mean, of small property owners telling you how in debt they are because they have tenants who are not paying rent and who are able to be paying rent. So you're continuing this is just taking from one person and giving it to another without any justification for that in terms of each side's means. That's simply incredible. You know, I watched Rachel Maddow, at least a part of it, and she was showing demonstrations tonight against democracy in Georgia, 
They have changed it so 92,000 people in the last election were challenged in Mexico and Israel. You know, I mean, all these demonstrations over democracy, and I'm sorry, this is not democracy you're supporting. This is not some socialistic wonderland you're supporting. It's really unfair to a lot of people, and that includes seniors who are on fixed incomes, and when you deny them their rent, you are really, you could put them out on the street, frankly. So you really have to say no to this. Thank you. Cecilia Lunapara is our next speaker. Please unmute yourself. Hi, um, I'm Cecilia Lunaparra. I'm the president of Cal Berkeley Democrats, um, and I'm here to represent students who are overwhelmingly tenants um, who are vulnerable to landlord exploitation. Um, we urge you to support the resolution extending the covered covered period of the emergency eviction moratorium. I'm in the middle of midterms and don't have a lot of time, but I'm I'm just here to support. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I don't see any other raised hands from members of the public wishing to speak on item one. We will take public comment on item two when we get to that item. Okay, this is the last call for public comment on item one. And these are the two last raised hands we will recognize. Anne Marie Hill, followed by Paul, and that will conclude public comment. Hi, my name is Anne Marie Hill. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, we can. We can oh, hear okay. you. Um, I, I strongly vote no on extending the moratorium on evictions. I own a property in Berkeley and have a tenant with known bed bugs. He is a hoarder and refuses to empty his apartment uh, so we can correctly eradicate the bed bugs. We have tried to treat it and can't treat the building or can't treat his apartment because of the bed bugs and because of the amount of hoarding that's taken place. Uh, this is current, this is continued for two years now. Um, he now currently is sick and in the hospital. He has his schizophrenic son now living there alone, threatening other tenants. Um, we've had to call the police, do a 5150 but the schizophrenic son is back and still threatening other tenants. He has torn down his own front door. Other tenants are literally fear for their lives. A three-year moratorium is enough. There is no valid reason for anyone to be allowed to, to not pay their rent. We don't have the luxury of not paying our mortgage. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Paul, you should now be able to speak. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Um, to my young, old dude, property owner, uh, I'd just like to say that uh, after listening to both sides of this issue, um, you know, we're in a fortunate position. Our tenant pays rent, um, and that's a good thing. However, I'm concerned about a lot of these measures being passed that don't represent balance. They don't have balance. And I think a lot of speakers, previous speakers hit on that. I understand that uh, if someone's in need, there needs to be measures put in place to ensure that they don't get bounced out on the street in a very, you know, malicious way. But at the same time, I've heard stories about people who, you know, they have a job and they're making money and they're just flat out not paying their rent. That's not representing balance. I mean, if we can't 
skip our mortgages or, or our other expenses. We have to pay our taxes. We have to pay our fees. We can't, you know, we can't welch on that. So I, I, I just want to say that whatever measure you put forth, I'm not in favor of, well, let's just say this. It probably won't matter what I'm in favor of. I would just like to say that I would appreciate it if you implemented fairness and balance in any measure you consider that affects both landlords and tenants so that this works for all of us, not just one side. Thank you. Thank you. Now closing public comment, I'll bring it back. I had, I'm sorry, I had said that, the, that those are the last two speakers. Um, so I'm going to close public comment and perhaps the speaker would like to speak on item two. Um, so bringing it back to the city council, um, I really want to thank everyone who spoke today, um, property owners and tenants. And I'm very sympathetic about some of the cases that the property owners had addressed. Um, and some of the particular circumstances that were described um, are concerning, you know, tenants who are engaging in illegal or threatening behavior. I just want to call attention to the fact that the current law allows an owner to um, file an eviction notice in the case of um, an imminent threat to the health and safety of other occupants. And the courts are processing those cases currently. Um, they're not processing other cases. Um, so there might be remedies that are currently available for some of those specific instances that were mentioned. And some of the other um, concerns that were raised, I, th I think I will address when we get to item two, because we're trying to balance um, you know, providing some additional time for tenants, but also at the same time, balancing property rights as well. Um, but the item before the council presently is, with item one, is to adopt this resolution to extend um, the covered period. And um, in the case the council does terminate the local emergency tomorrow, this would this would align our uh, eviction moratorium with Alameda counties, which makes logical sense. Councilor Han. Yeah, thank you. I guess also just oh, you already took my hand down. Um, I thought the state. Um, I don't remember all the ins and outs, but didn't the state provide like eighteen months of rental assistance for? I'm a little confused about why landlords would have been left hanging when really generous benefits were available at the state level. Yeah, there, that may be a question we can ask the rent board staff, but there was the ERAP program, which the state did um, have in place. And um, uh, yeah, if I could maybe change that into a question because, yeah, I mean, I think we all know that COVID, people were hurt by COVID in many different ways. Some people lost their lives. Some people lost their mothers, their grandfathers, their children. Kids were orphaned. Um, people lost their jobs. People had financial distress. People didn't get rent. I mean, there, there's a lot of damage that was wrought by this pandemic. There was also a lot of relief. Um, I think the city was very generous in providing support. The state and the federal government were all very generous. That doesn't mean that some situations 
didn't fall through the cracks, but I'm just surprised to hear, um, I don't know, people who did not avail themselves of the many different forms of relief that were available. And if the rent, if there's someone from the rent board who could explain that a little bit to me, the state program. Um, is Matt Brown here, general counsel from the rent board? Yeah, I, Mr. Mayor, I saw him on page two. <laughs> He's there. Yeah, um, I, I apologize. I don't know the exact numbers, but the um, Anna Mora, who's uh, in participation tonight, if you wanted to promote her, she was run, running um, one of the organizations that actually um, uh, processed the payments and gave the funds. I think she could answer that really uh, thoroughly. And I just unmuted her mic. Yes, um, City Councilwoman Han, you are you are absolutely correct. There was not only money from the state of California up to 18 months, but complimentary funding from the County of Alameda um, and from the City of Berkeley. Um, and I did want to mention that, as you probably know, the mayor and City Council and City staff have really invested in rental assistance. My office alone has um, distributed $4.5 million directly to landlords. Um, during this pandemic, and I know the East Bay Community Law Center did as well, but there was multiple layers of funding from different sources for Berkeley tenants. Okay, and that, that money for tenants was, also, there was also money for landlords, right? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, the money was paid directly to landlords, all of it. Okay, that, yeah, all right. So, I mean, again, I mean, I, I also am, you know, I agree with the mayor that some of the situations we heard where there's physical violence and doors being broken down and things like that. Um, my understanding is that something like that, at least arguably or likely, um, would warrant an eviction this entire time. So if people didn't get the resources or information they needed, that's um, unfortunate, and I hope they'll go and get it now. But um, to the question of, of you know lost, lost rental income, my understanding was that, again, while perhaps not everyone is made entirely whole, and that's the nature of a global pandemic emergency, that there actually were significant resources available. And I'm, I'm sorry if people somehow weren't able to avail themselves of that. Thank you. Thank you. On that, just an addendum that the, the, the period to apply for the money ended on March 31st of last year. So there unfortunately is no longer funding available, but that's all the more reason why we need to bolster our resources locally um, because that's gonna be really critical for owners and tenants um, over the coming months. But you are correct that the state put, I think it was over $2 billion in funding in the ERAP program. Um, and uh, some of that money's already flowed, some of it's on its way. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Councilmember Weingraf? Yes, I, I just wanted to point out that the money that was available was not available for the entirety of the pandemic. And uh, as the mayor mentioned, um, the program stopped a year ago, at least. The other thing is that some of those, those programs required the cooperation of the tenant. And in many cases, the tenants did not cooperate, so the landlord was not able to apply for the money. So the 
the application couldn't go through. There are a lot of reasons why it didn't work, but the money ran out after a while. So, you know, there are still small property owners who are really struggling having not received rent for a year. That's, you know, a lot of money. Um, so um, that just answers uh, Councilmember Hans' um, question about the subsidies. But I also agree with the mayor that we do need to develop a rental assistance program to help those people who um, do not are not in a position to start paying rent when we lift the, um, the moratorium. And so I'd be happy to work with you, Mayor, on, on moving forward on establishing um, standards and regulations and all of that for how to, how to create a program. Yeah, on that, we have something coming to Council tomorrow night to add an additional 300000 And I think that may afford an opportunity to talk about broadening the eligibility of it. Um, and then I'm going to be coming forward with an item, and I will reach out to you, Councilman Warengraff, um, on additional funding beyond that 300000 because based on what we've heard from HHCS and from the nonprofits that are administering the program, they believe that uh, we'll need significantly more money. Um, to deal with the anticipated need. Yeah, I, I have to say that that I want to thank everybody for speaking tonight. Um, I found the testimony incredibly moving, and um, and and heartfelt. And I'm really sorry that people have have struggled and suffered so much during this very very horrible time. Thank you. Yeah, I I, I completely second that. Uh, let's go to Councilor Harrison. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. When we get to item two, we'll talk about um, the approach that I put forward with Councilmember Wengraff to deal with people moving into single-family homes, and we will get we will get to that because I think that's a a separate case. Um, I don't know about if many tenants didn't cooperate. I had also heard stories that landlords didn't cooperate with tenants in making these applications. So we don't really have the facts on that. Um, I think what's really important to me is the city has spent five and a half million dollars in relief and the mayor is asking for additional funding to do that. Also important to me is that there have been evictions under health and safety and under nuisance. Those have been allowed the entire time. And while the courts are really awkward and hard mechanism, that relief is available to people. Um, and the dollars do go directly to landlords. So I think someone said, well, they got the relief, but now they're still driving a BMW. I thought, well, yes, but the money came to the landlord. So um, I agree with Councilmember Wengraff. However, the fact this money ran out when it did on the state and federal level is really tragic. It's as if the other levels of government didn't recognize that we still had a health crisis that was affecting all of us. And I think it's a it's a real shame. But I feel like the city has done a super responsible job. And I'll just say again, if we were to not vote on item one, separating this from item two, it would make no practical difference. The courts will not process these evictions because they don't have a way to do it because the county has 60 days. We didn't parallel our ordinance with theirs. I think we should have from the beginning, to be really clear. Um, but we're fixing that now. So that's all item one does. It says, like the county, whenever it ends, however people vote in tomorrow or not, 
is 60 days after that. So I just really wanted to point that out. And I'll get into the details of the OMI owner move-ins when we get to item two. But uh, thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. Okay, seeing no additional members who wish to speak on the item, we'll now proceed to a roll call vote on item one, the resolution extending the covered period. Councilmember Kesterwani? Yes. Kaplan? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Harrison? Yes. On? Yes. Glengraff? Yes. Robinson? Yes. Uh, Humbert? Yes. And Mayor Aragon? Yes. Okay, that. that motion does carry. That resolution is approved. Uh, we do need to take a 10 minute captioner break for our remote captioner. So we'll take a 10 minute break and be back at 8.25. Thank you. Recording stopped.
Okay, um, our 10-minute captioner break has elapsed. So I'd like to ask the members of the council to please rejoin us so we can reconvene. Recording in progress. Okay, I see we do have five members on the screen. So, um, so we'll now call the city council back into session and we'll proceed now to item two, which I have introduced entitled amendments to the COVID-19 emergency response ordinance BMC chapter 13.110. I'd like to open on the item and let me actually um, pull up the item. I want to thank Councilmember Harrison for her co-sponsorship. Um, so this would provide additional amendments to the COVID-19 emergency response ordinance, um, to do several things. One, it would, it would end the application of the ordinance to commercial properties. And as I, uh, talked about in the report, um, the authority to implement a moratorium on commercial evictions, uh, was in the governor's executive order in 2020, which has expired. And given that our local economy is beginning to stabilize, we no longer have any um, mandated shelter-in-place closures. Um, there's there is not a need to maintain a moratorium on commercial evictions. This is really um, a cleanup change to reflect that the the authority for a commercial moratorium is no longer applicable. However, we have taken action in addition to what we've done for um, residential property owners and tenants. Um, in our last budget, we allocated $1 million in American Rescue Act funds for a needs-based grant program to assist small businesses who have significant rent debt, as well as provide uh, counseling to assist businesses as they're working to negotiate their rent repayment. Um, and the Office of Economic Development will be implementing this grant program. So that's one aspect of it, ending the, the cleanup changes to end the commercial eviction moratorium since it's technically no longer in effect. Um, this ordinance would also allow um, uh, lawful owner movement evictions under our rent stabilization ordinance. Um, if the owner um, uh, owns only one rental property in the city of Berkeley and is initiating an owner movement eviction to um, have them and their family member take possession of the property. Um, we heard on the previous item, a number of property owners talk about the fact that they um, own properties and would like to reoccupy their properties, but are prohibited from doing so under the current eviction moratorium, and this would allow that to happen. The ordinance would allow for eviction notices to start being served starting March 1st, um, and um, uh, evictions to commence, if, um, you know, if they're not, unless the courts overturn them on May 1st, 2023. Um, and due to the county's eviction moratorium ending on May 1st, 2023, as noted previously, eviction notices will not be processed during this period by the courts. Um, these uh, owner movement evictions would also be allowed in the proposed transition period. And then lastly, the most substantive change to um, the COVID-19 emergency response ordinance would be to establish a transition period after the expiration of the covered period. Um, and this transition period um, 
would extend until August 31st, 2023, and um, would, en would enable evictions during that period for health and safety reasons, as we talked about before, owner moving evictions, and evictions for tenants of non-payment rent who have not provided documentation and established that they had a covered reason for a delayed payment. I'm certainly very sympathetic to the many property owners who spoke today about the fact that they may have tenants who just are simply not paying the rent and they have the capacity to do so. Um, what this ordinance would do is it would allow, it would allow evictions for non-payment of rent if the tenant does not have a covered reason for delayed payment. Now, let me get to the definition of covered reason for delayed payment, which has been in the COVID-19 emergency response ordinance from the very beginning. A covered reason for delayed payment means that one, the basis of the eviction for non-payment is arising out of a material decrease in household, business, or other rental unit occupant's income, including but not limited to a material decrease in the household's income caused by layoffs or reduction in the number of compensable hours of work, or to caregiving responsibilities or material decrease in business income caused by a reduction in opening hours or consumer demand, or material out-of-pocket expenses, or a reduction in the number of tenants living in the unit, which reduces the ability um, for the remaining tenants to pay the rent or a rent increase that exceeds the annual general adjustment for the current year. And two, a decrease in household, business, or other rental unit occupants' income or expenses or reduction in the number of tenants described in subparagraph one, which I just read, which was caused by the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic or any local, state, or federal government response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So if a tenant can provide documentation that they have a covered reason for delayed payment, um, uh, at that during that transition period, then they would continue to be protected by the eviction moratorium. Otherwise, if they don't, and they don't provide the documentation, and, it's, and it doesn't substantiate or justify to the satisfaction of the landlord that they have a covered reason for delayed payment, then they can evict for non-payment of rent. So in instances where tenants do not have a material reason for not paying the rent, they would be allowed to be evicted um, for non-payment of rent um, under this ordinance. So um, I did put together a chart in the supplemental material, which kind of summarizes this more, more specifically. So, um, uh, you know, assuming council terminates a local emergency tomorrow, the covered period would be from um, March 1st to April 30th, 2023, because um, that includes that additional 60 days. Um, and... Uh, Evictions would be prohibited except for evictions necessary to stop an imminent threat to the health and safety of occupants. You can begin to file eviction notices for owner movement evictions, but those those um, notices would take effect May 1st, 2023. The transition period, as proposed, would be from May 1st, 2023 to August 31st, 2023. And once again, evictions will be allowed um, as necessary to stop an imminent threat to the health and safety of occupants. Owner moving evictions pursuant to BMC section 13.76130A9, where an owner only owns one rental property in the city of Berkeley. And evictions for non-payment of rent, where the tenant has not provided documentation, establishing covered reason for delayed payment. And then under this proposal, the moratorium will fully expire on September 1st, 2023, and all just cause evictions will be allowed. So the um, ordinance um, does, um, I think, specifically clarify that this applies to residential real property, 
um, that um, uh, during the transition period, one, uh, a landlord can initiate eviction to recover possession of real property if it's necessary to stop an imminent threat to the health and safety of occupants. Owner movement evictions, that the landlord can, can initiate an owner movement eviction. Um, uh, if the owner owns only one rental property in the city of Berkeley, notice of this exclusive reason may be served beginning March 1st, 2023, and maybe the basis of an eviction beginning May 1st, 2023. And then once again, um, an eviction, um, if, the, if the tenant simply is not paying the rent and doesn't have an established covered reason that was um, substantiated by documentation. Um, in fact, the language says, um, the landlord or lender seeks to recover possession of real property following the tenant's default in the payment of rent that came due after the expiration of the covered period, and for which a tenant did not provide the landlord or lender documentation establishing a covered period for delayed payment as set forth in section 040 subsection C. Any notice to terminate a tenancy pursuant to this section must inform the tenant of their rights to submit documentation establishing a covered reason, notwithstanding any of the notice requirements, a tenant who asserts a covered reason shall provide the landlord all required documentation prior to the expiration of the notice to terminate tenancy. So they do have a period of time where they have to provide that documentation, and if they do not provide it and it does not meet the criteria, then the owner can initiate a three-day notice. Um, I talked about the covered reason for delayed payment, um, and these are just uh, clarifying changes to conform to state law. So that's what we're that's what I'm proposing, and the reason I'm proposing this particular transition period is recognizing that. Um, there, there is a need to provide additional protections for tenants who may contract COVID-19 or may be impacted by the pandemic and, it ha and having a really detrimental impact on their ability to pay their rent. And um, just like we have had that in place throughout the pandemic, there's a need for a transition period so that those tenants have additional time to be able to begin to pay their back rent. Um, and um, this will provide, I think, a clear, bright line that August 31st is the, is the period of time under which the um, eviction moratorium would expire. It would provide additional time for, for tenants who are in arrears to be able to start paying back their rent and develop plans to pay back the rent. It would provide the city and the rent board sufficient time to provide adequate notice to tenants about their um, about these timelines and, and obligations so that when the moratorium does expire, that everyone's aware of their rights and, and people are prepared to, to address their, their, their legal obligations. Um, and then, you know, I will just say with respect to the status of COVID-19, yes, we have made great progress in our city, but if you actually look at the East Bay mud uh, case rates, um, and I'll pull that up, um, we are seeing an increase, if you notice here, in the um, num numbers of COVID concentrations in, in, our, in our sewage that's being tracked by the state of California, East Bay mud. We also, given the highly evolving nature of this, of this pandemic, we don't know what's gonna happen in the future. There may be a new variant that may be more resistant to its vaccines. God forbid that does not happen, knocking on wood. And we may need to move towards surge capacity. And we may see an increase in cases even greater than what we're seeing now, which means that I think exercising caution is the responsible thing to do for the city. Um, and uh, and then moreover, um, making sure that our regulations 
do provide sufficient flexibility that if you know cases do continue to increase or we see a surge in cases that we have adequate protections to protect our residents. I think a critical thing in closing that I want to emphasize is um, you know based on the information we received from East Bay Community Law Center and EDC, they're anticipating a significant need for additional rental assistance. Um, and I think that as we're allocating additional funding for rental assistance, that we should maybe let owners and tenants be able to draw on more than $10,000 per, per case. Um, but um, there is a need demonstrated, and I think the legal providers will address this in their comments, for additional rental assistance and additional protections. Um, and the council will be considering tomorrow night allocating an additional 300000 and then and perhaps in the future additional funding beyond that to be able to help support owners and tenants to begin paying back their back rent, especially because the state money has gone away. This is going to really be the only money that's available to help support um, landlords and tenants to pay back their back rent. So yes, while we, while we would be putting these protections in place, we also have a responsibility as a city to provide assistance to help owners and tenants recoup some of that rent debt. Ultimately, if tenants are not able to pay it, they can initiate a civil action to recover that debt. Um, and if tenants just simply aren't paying their rent, they could be evicted even under this ordinance. I think this is a this is a fair and balanced proposal that balances the need to provide additional time and protections for tenants with recognizing some very specific cases that we've heard from properties about providing flexibility, particularly for small landlords. And um, therefore I move adoption of item two as amended and supplemental packet two. Second. Thank you. Councilor Harrison. I wanted to I wanted to go back and explain that about six months ago, Councilmember Wingraff and I turned in an item that asked to do pretty much precisely what this is doing. What we asked is that owner move-in evictions be allowed to proceed on some normal pace. The way the state law works, you have to have 60 days notice anyway for an OMI. So this ordinance allows you to notice now and then 60 days in the future, effectuate the eviction. That's normal per state law. Um, and we are making an exception for people who want to live in their own homes. And I want to say their own home can include the ADU that they have on their property if that's where they're moving back to, if that's their residence. So we've actually accomplished quite a lot with this. We've dealt with the, the owner move-ins. And as requested by Councilmember Wengraff and I, we've dealt with the fact that since we have to accept this 60-day period from the county that they've got 60 days after the end of the emergency for people that don't have a covered reason, we're doing exactly that. So in fact, the legislation we submitted to the land use committee is reflected here and is being carried out. And I would say that this situation is no different for 90% of the tenants or landlords in the city, because again, the county requires this 60 day period after the end of the emergency to, to effectuate an eviction, that's what most people are going to fall into. Some people are going to be able to do it earlier because they are have owner move-ins. The item reiterates the fact that if you have a problem with health and safety or nuisance, you can already move to evict people. That hasn't changed. The only people it affects really are at the at the very tail end. There are people that have to meet this really strict definition. It's not that easy to prove that something is caused by the impacts of COVID-19. That's not a small standard. 
That's the standard that says you have to show this is the reason, not I got laid off three years ago and I just decided never to look for a job again. You are unable to pay because of long COVID. Your children have long COVID. Your parents have long COVID. You have been unable to get your business started again because of COVID. And I think there'd be very few people that can actually prove this. So what we're doing is providing protections at two ends. We're providing protections at the front end for the people that want to move into their home. And we're providing protections at the back end to the people who are so sick and have had so many COVID-related losses, they simply cannot pay the rent. And I think that's totally appropriate. I think we have ended up in a very good position. Um, I, I just want to go back to some of the comments we heard earlier about the um, sort of stories about people who are terrible tenants. And I can only imagine what that's like for you. I own, I own a rental property. My tenants have been paying rent, thank goodness. Um, but they haven't suffered a COVID-related loss, and they also haven't damaged my property, threatened other tenants, et cetera. You have remedies for that. That's the court system. You can evict people. You just can't give them a three-day notice to quit. What we're talking about is the regular process for evicting someone versus a three-day notice for non-payment. That's the entire universe of this ordinance. Can you issue a three-day notice for non-payment? And the answer is, in 95% of the cases, yes, you can. And in 2.5% of those remaining 5%, you can do it early because you're moving into your own house. And then the other 2.5% at the tail end, you do it later because that person has suffered an actual serious loss. I want to thank the mayor for his leadership in providing funding for uh, retention of housing. As I mentioned earlier, we've had uh, about $5.5 million that have gone to landlords directly. That's how it works. Uh, rather than to tenants, to help them cover rent losses. The state also had pro had money for that, as well as money for um, uh, covering mortgage losses. We also, in the beginning, protected people from uh, losing their homes through uh, default because of, of not inability to pay mortgages. And um, we continue to hold up this promise, and you're going to see that in the budget process. So, I feel like we're in a really good place. We're at we're at the two percent of the edge on either end, and that's where I think we should be. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We'll go next to Councilmember Wengraff. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to admit that I didn't have a chance today to read the amended item that was submitted this afternoon. I've been in meetings all day, as many of us have been. So I have some questions. So, uh, and perhaps you, Mayor, as the author, or Councilmember Harrison, can answer them. I'll do my best. Thank you. So the covered reason, is, is the covered reason related to COVID? Or is the covered reason much broader than that? It's related to COVID. And does it say specifically? It, there's, yeah, under, uh, I can pull up, and Mr. Darrow can probably elaborate on this too. I know he's on the call. And this has been in, I think this has been in the ordinance since we first adopted it three years ago. You have to meet one and two. So it, it has to be related to the impact of the, of the reduction or loss of income related to the impacts of COVID-19 or any local, state, or federal government response to COVID-19. Okay, I just want to be sure that we're closing some loopholes here. 
and that, um, you know, this this was intended to help people who were impacted yes. seriously by COVID. So um, I, I would like to be sure that people can't game the system, you know, because there are a lot of other reasons why people might not want to pay the rent. Um, I, I don't know how to do that, but that's just one question. Um, my second comment is not a question, but May 31st, May 1st to August 31st is four months, not three months. May, June, July, August. So it's four months. I believe the item says three months. And I think we need to be very clear that this will be a six-month extension of the moratorium. Um, then I have a question for Councilmember Harrison, because I know that this was um, very important to her. Uh, the the threshold for being able to do a mo, uh, an owner move-in eviction is that you only own one unit. Well, why is that? You can only move into one unit. So why is the threshold that you can only own one unit? If you own a duplex, does that mean you can't move into the unit? The reason for that goes back to the story of golden duplexes, frankly. We had many people that own multiple golden duplexes in Berkeley, and some of the people on this dais are threatened with over owner move-in evictions um, or through um, the golden duplex. And I'm concerned that somebody will move into one place, not stay, evict that tenant, move into another place, and not stay. The so that's purpose. Much. Yeah, the purpose of this exemption. Yeah. Movements. I right. understand that. But yeah. But but limiting the right to move in as an owner to a primary residence, if you only own one unit, seems doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Because if you want to move into one of your units, you you can only move into one unit. I mean, there, there's a Yiddish expression that I'll share with you. And it's that you can't dance at two weddings with one tush. Okay. <laughs> I like so that. You can if you can all you can only move into one unit. So No, but matter? under state OMA, OMI law, you can move family members into the other unit. So what we're trying to prevent is somebody moving into the unit as the owner and then evicting the other tenant for the family moving in. You get one choice. You can move into an ADU under this law. You can say I own a house and an ADU. And I'm moving back to my ADU. That's my residence. You can do that. But what we don't want to see is a system where in duplexes, people move into one, move their family into the other, and both tenants are evicted. But it, would, it, would, it be, um, would it be better to limit that than if, that, if that's your fear, that uh, to put a time, a, a time frame on when this could happen. For example, you can only move in, you, you know, every X number of years, something like that, rather than only one unit being the threshold. Is it only one unit in Berkeley or is it only one unit anywhere? Only one unit in Berkeley. Okay. You can't so, move here, but you actually live in Santa Cruz and then move back. 
you know, you need to, I understand what you're saying about the time limit. And that's actually how SB9 works, that you have to live there for a certain period of time. Okay. I, I feel like the threshold of only owning one unit may be a little too restrictive because there may be people who are very interested in moving back into one of their units and they can't do it because they own more than one. Um, I hear what you're I saying. Just, I just wanted to point that out. Um, uh, my other question to the mayor, I guess, is you mentioned um, that um, people would be paying back rent, that this would give them more opportunity to pay back rent. But what happens if they don't pay back rent? Well, then the owner can take them to court um, as a um, a debt and and get a judgment on that debt. Yeah, that's a long process. It's an expensive process. That's the process I, that state law currently that, I prescribes. I think it's also appealable. I'm not sure, but I think that judgment can be appealed. So it's a long haul um, for a small uh, a small property owner. Um, anyway, okay. I think that those are my, I think those are my only questions for now. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Humbert, followed by Kaysar Wani. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, thank you, Mr. Mayor. And I'm sorry I'll remain a sort of a dark rectangle because I'm continuing to have very limited bandwidth and this helps keep me online. Um, <clears throat> I supported the 60-day um, resolution for the reasons I stated earlier. Uh, it's a practical solution. We, you know, we work in sort of um, consort with the, with the county, um, and it's, it's a reasonable proposal, and I think that's the way we should go. But the, the additional four-month extension in the draft ordinance as opposed to the resolution seems without, to me, legal support, even with the commercial unlawful detainer and limited owner move-in exceptions. I don't think they save it. I don't think there's a good legal basis for this additional four months um, once we vote to end the state of emergency. And again, I think, that, and maybe I didn't say this before, I think we're at the end of the state of emergency. We're at a new status quo. The emergency's over. It's an unhappy status quo, unfortunately, of endemic COVID. But we've done better in this town, really, than anywhere else around. We have very low unemployment. We have very high vac vaccination rates. And the economy is coming back um, pretty reasonably strongly. I've read too many awful stories about residential lessors who are underwater, we're dealing with tenants who are acting in bad faith and harassing the lessor and other tenants who are at risk of foreclosure and who are unable to fix up their buildings. We've heard some of these stories tonight, um, and I thank all those folks who called in to share. Um, uh, I was deeply moved by their stories, and I've been deeply moved by the folks speaking on behalf of, of the interests of tenants. Um, I honor them all. Um, if a tenant truly has a COVID-related reason for being unable to pay rent, including back rent, I say we provide them with some direct assistance, or rather their landlords. I don't want, you know, to force people in to become becoming unhoused. 
I don't want that. I don't think anybody wants that. I have bottomless sympathy for tenants who are truly suffering like that. Let's support them. But that doesn't mean that we have to extend the eviction moratorium for an additional four months beyond the 60 days for virtually every tenant, the vast majority of which at this point in history are not suffering and unable to pay the rent because of COVID. So I, I can't support the, the, the ordinance. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to Councilor Kisarwani, followed by Councilmember Robinson. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. Thank you for this proposal. And uh, thank you to all the public commenters who've shared their experience with us. I, um, I, I first wanted to just ask a few questions. One is, I know that there's been an acknowledgement that the health and safety reasons, as well as the nuisance reasons, you know, that those have always been available uh, for uh, landlords. And I wondered if uh, somebody could speak to uh, how those determinations are made. Are the courts determining what constitutes a valid health and safety risk or a nuisance? Uh, that's an excellent question. And uh I would probably defer to Mr. Darrow um, or, or, or Matt Brown from the rent board because um, they, could, they could speak to that given their experience in these particular matters. Yes, I would, I would defer to, to Matt or to uh, two of the public commenters, Megan Gordon and Ann Omura, actually would have direct experience with how the current configuration of the Superior Court is operating with regard to the health and safety evictions, which are uh, that procedure is an improvised procedure that was created in response to the Alameda County eviction moratorium. So um, it may have some idiosyncratic uh, uh, features that we'd be nice to hear from them on. But Matt, you may know more about it than I do. Yeah, I mean, I would say sort of generally that they would, it, it, as with any other allegation, it would be proved through um, uh, evidence, both circumstantial and otherwise, um, of what is the risk um, involved and what's the nature of the allegation that somebody uh, is presenting a danger. So, but I mean, again, I, I, I totally agree with Bren that, um, you know, that Ann and Megan would be able to speak um, far more uh, uh clearly about this because they've litigated these matters. Uh, Councilor Kisarwani, does that help or? So, you... so I'm sorry, who were who the two individuals who could speak? I think the, the eviction it? defense center who we can't, we, I think we contract with to. Oh, okay. Is it, is it acceptable, Mr. Mayor? Are, are those people on the call? Yes. Yeah, I see Ann O'Moore is the first raised hand. I could un unmute Ann. If that's if that's okay, I, I would like to see hear what they have to say about that. Okay. Yeah, Councilwoman Kesarwani, um, the answer to your question is that landlords can basically file anything at this point and allege that it's health and safety. The court has been very, very loosely um, interpreting that and letting all types of cases go forward. So we are defending a ton of evictions in Berkeley. A lot of the fact patterns that the public speakers brought up would clearly qualify and would be immediately allowed to go forward. So there's no reason that any of those types of cases are being stopped. We have cases where 
someone's been living in a unit that was later deemed illegal for years and they're being evicted under health and safety because they're living in a unit that a, a landlord rented to them that has now been deemed to not not be up to code so um i would say that the presiding judge in alameda county has been extremely um has bent over backward to let these types of evictions go forward can you tell me how many health and safety evictions have actually occurred in the city of Berkeley since we passed this uh, moratorium ordinance back in, I believe it was March, 2020. Do you have a number? I don't, I'm sure Matt Brown probably has numbers of how many evictions were filed, but we are actually defending a number of evictions in Berkeley for various health and safety reasons. A lot of them end up settling, but um, I would say, um, we have a good number of them going forward at any time. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mr. Brown, do you have that number? I don't have, I, I don't. Uh, if, 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 they, if they did file something, um, they would uh, otherwise, uh, under our ordinance, be required to lodge the note, notice of termination with us. Um, but I don't have that number with me tonight. Okay, but you are aware that you have received some notices, but you don't have the number. I don't have it with me tonight, no. But I, but we, I mean, I, I think you know, as Anne commented, um, they have been seeing a steady stream of these go through the court system. Okay, okay, thank you. I'll leave it at that. The, my next question was: Do we know of any other cities in Alameda County that are in the process or have attempted? you know, or have established a transition period such as the one proposed here? Or any um, other sure, I can speak that have done to, so in the state, perhaps, even? Yeah, I'm, I've been doing some research on this um, to kind of see what's the landscape look like. Um, San Leandro extended their eviction moratorium for covered reasons until next year. Um, uh, the San Leandro Ordinance, which I think adopted on second reading, which I shared with Mr. Darrow, um, okay. extends until, uh, let me see here one second. Uh, February 28, 2024. Um, and then Oakland is also considered, they're developing, considering a potential extension of the moratorium. I spoke to Council President Boss, the Oakland City Council, about that. And I spoke to Supervisor Preston in San Francisco, and San Francisco is also considering similar legislation. But they have not yet adopted that. Okay, but you're saying San Leandro has done something related to covered reasons. To February year. 2024, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting to know. And then finally, I just wanted to understand, Mr. Mayor, for your proposed ordinance, you know, you showed the, the kind of summary information that was giving exact dates. Yes. Uh, you know, saying August 31st is the, maybe it's the final day. Um, are, are the dates um, contingent upon what we decide tomorrow night? In they terms are, of the declaration of emergency. And I think that raises a very good point, Councillor Kisserwani, which I thought about while we were discussing the other matter, which is um, 
If for some reason council doesn't terminate the local emergency and extends it, then that kind of pushes everything out. Right. And so I think what would need to be done is there would have to be a change to the definition of transition period. This, uh, and this is what I just marked up right now to say that the period with the expiration of cover period and shall end no later than August 31st, 2023. Because right now it's a little ambiguous, but I think, you know, I think if the intent is to, and the intent is to have this end August 31st, then we need to say no later than. Okay, because that was a question I had because, you know, the question is, are you, it sounds like based on that amendment, you were saying August 31st, no matter what. Correct. Okay, that's what you're saying. Um, and, and, and that's just something I thought about, if I may, during the discussion of item one, okay. that needed to be clarified because it was a little unclear. Okay, so because because item one doesn't define it, right? It simply says 60 more days. Yeah. Um, but but you're saying this this is like another layer if this ordinance passes and it's saying actually regardless of I mean okay to 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 think about the most extreme example the council could keep continuing to declare emergency beyond August 31st but the way you phrase this ordinance the moratorium expires on August 31st, regardless of what the council decides related to local declaration of emergency. Yes, because there just needs to be at some point, some end point. Um, now, if we have this emergency, once again, we can always re-examine re whether that should be revisited and should be extended. But I think at, regardless of what we do, there needs to be some bright line. Okay. It's a question of how how quickly we end it versus, um, but that that's really the that's really the question, the underlying question. Okay. Well, you know, I I guess I'm I'm just having and I'm just thinking aloud as you're as you're explaining, you know, your intention here. It's a little bit hard for me to just process because our whole rationale for the moratorium was because of the local declaration of emergency. And I'm worried about getting away from that rationale in terms of the legal basis for doing this. I, I think that that is a risk here with what you just described. Uh, but let, let me just con uh, you know continue and complete my comments here. What I what I I, I just want to say I really feel for everybody who's experienced financial loss and difficulty and personal tragedy over the course of this pandemic. Uh, we we tout our successes, the fact that we had such a low mortality rate. But I think what we heard tonight is that uh, that doesn't mean that our community escaped this this very difficult period without a lot of um, harms. And so I, I just want to acknowledge that the reality is that the majority of people who rent in our community are rent burdened. The majority. That means they pay more than 30% of their income on rent. Some of them pay a lot more. So for those folks, for low-income folks, it is always an emergency to make rent. Um, and, and that's why I've always been a voice on this council for creating more homes at all income levels, right? We have an affordability crisis, and we had this COVID crisis layered onto that. And so I understand 
you know, how hard this is to say that we are transitioning out of having this added layer of protection in terms of the moratorium. Um, you know, I also want to say in terms of just the anecdotal word on the street I have heard from small landlords and mm -hmm. others is that the moratorium is having a chilling effect in putting units out to rent because people are worried about, sadly, you know, people are worried about those horror stories that occur. So, so I am thinking about that as well. Um, but I, I do believe that whatever we do in terms of the moratorium, in my mind, it has to be tied to the local declaration of emergency. And what we have before us tomorrow is the city manager recommending an end to the declaration of local emergency. And I, I think that that recommendation is reasonable. And, and so I, I'm just not able to support this transition period, which as, as we just learned, it's not tied to the local declaration of emergency. Um, so I'm, I'm very concerned about um, the risk that that creates. Uh, but I do think that that resolution was very reasonable. I think it makes a lot of sense for us to be tied to what the county is doing, knowing that our courts are, um, are going to be likely, you know, shifting towards um, that county process moving forward. I know it seems like we still have to wait to see what they do tomorrow, but I think um, the way that we phrase that resolution, it, it ties it to, you know, giving people an additional 60 days, which I think is very reasonable. I'm, I'm unfortunately, I'm just not seeing the justification uh, for the transition period. But I do understand this is this has been a really difficult time for people. And, um, you know, I look forward to the proposals that will be brought forward in terms of seeing if we can give people additional assistance. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, we'll go next to Councilmember Robinson, followed by Councilmember Hum. Your Honor. I'm feeling very grateful right now that we, we just had such a robust discussion and retrospective about the city's pandemic response last week. Three years on, there's so much to reflect on and so much to be proud of. Obviously, the 94% vaccination rate that bears repeating over and over and over again. But one of those achievements is also, of course, our eviction moratorium, which we know made a difference for innumerable tenants and working people impacted by the pandemic. And so I know that none of us take lightly at all the decision and path to wind it down. Mayor Ergin, I really want to express my gratitude to you for laying out what I believe to be a clean path uh, and really for laying out so clearly in this item and the preceding one, exactly what each item does and exactly what each item does not do. There's a lot of layers and it's incredibly complex. Councilmember Kesawani's questions just now were really helpful in clarifying which moving pieces could bump into other moving pieces. And I think adding that no later than language, the August 31 question uh, would help clarify the bright line there. Also really want to extend my gratitude to the other members of the 4x4 committee, Council Members Harrison and Han, for your input on this path at that committee. I wish I could have joined you there. Uh, and thank you, of course, to Council Members Wayngreff and Harrison for helping begin the conversation of a transition last fall with your item. Uh, obviously, the end of COVID era rules is an inevitability, but what is in our power is how to phase in that transition to minimize the extent to which this all comes crashing down at once. Uh, in many ways, I, I actually think the pace with which the moratorium ends is much more important than the timing of when it ends. A careful transition period is incredibly important to me, uh, and I believe that's what's proposed. 
it's eminently reasonable and starts with the situations that we know have been unintended consequences of our emergency rules, those owners who have just been trying to move into their own home and brings us to a smoother landing. Thank you. I have nothing more to add except to thank those who have shared their stories. Gratitude to those doing the Lord's work of representing vulnerable tenants and to resonate with the call for additional renter assistance, which we'll discuss soon. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Hahn. Yes, thank you very much. And uh, I'll join myself to Councilmember Robinson's uh, eloquent comments. Um, we took really strong action uh, at the outset of the pandemic to protect renters, stronger than I think any other jurisdiction in the state. Um, and at the outset, uh, there were some people who questioned that. But we are the only city in Alameda County that is significantly impacted by homelessness, where homeless counts went down during the pandemic. Alameda County overall went up about 20%. I'm not remembering. I think it was 22%. But remember, that number included Berkeley. The Alameda County number included Berkeley. If you take Berkeley out, I calculated it once, and it was, it was over 24% rise countywide if you don't include Berkeley. Berkeley alone went down 5%. That's a 30-point, approximately 30-point difference between what we saw going on in other communities in Alameda County during the pandemic and what the outcomes were here in Berkeley. And I am very confident that the quick action um, and the strong action we took on behalf of renters is part of why we were able to have that success. And keep in mind, we were also uh, decompressing our shelters. We had fewer shelter beds, but we had less homelessness. So I'm very proud of what we've done, and I think we need to continue to take strong action on behalf of vulnerable renters. And so that takes me to something that I really feel we've missed in all of these discussions here. These protections during COVID are major, major equity protections. People most impacted, disproportionately impacted by COVID, people of color, elderly, disabled. Who are the people most susceptible to housing insecurity and homelessness? People of color disproportionately represented among the homeless. Disability is actually the number one marker of people who experience homelessness. And we know that there is a rise in first-time homelessness for the elderly. So again, this isn't just about everybody. This is in particular about protecting those who have disproportionately been hurt by the underlying housing crisis, by homelessness, by COVID. They died in greater numbers. Families lost family numbers in greater numbers. They've had greater uh, long-lasting impacts 
from COVID. They also generally are among the lower income folks in our community. So this is like a perfect storm for people with disabilities, people of color, and the elderly. And I think we really need to keep that in mind when we think about how we are going to manage the damage that COVID has done. Because remember, it's not the city that's the actor here. It's this virus, it's the pandemic. It has wrought enormous harm. And we have to make difficult decisions about how to balance um, within that environment where the harm has just been raining down. I know where I come out on that. I need to protect the most vulnerable people. We need to keep from having an increase in homelessness. And that is uh, why I will be supporting these measures. The transition period is tied to the emergency, but it's also tied to equity. And I think that it is a reasonable way for us to transition down to what what is going to be a, a difficult passage, a difficult period of time. I also want to note that it's not a great thing to be first into the courts. The courts are going to be inundated, but they're also going to be looking at all of these issues for the first time. And they're going to be making a lot of rulings that are sort of first impression, and they're going to be working things through. So actually there'll be, I think, more clarity about what the path forward will be by not having Berkeley tenants and landlords. Everybody likes certainty. You don't have to go to court if you already know how they're going to rule. You work it out. So there is some advantage to not being there at the same time as everybody else in Alameda County. Last but not least, uh, at the 4x4, four four, I said, spent a lot of time talking about the need for communication, robust communication. Sure, uh, affluent people with lots of technology, they get information fast. But low-income people, elderly people who don't have computers, we need this information to filter through the community. We need time not just to have Berkeley side or the minutes of one of our meetings explain this, we need time to do actual outreach. Again, because of our vulnerable tenants, they really need this from us. I also spoke about the need at the 4x4 for us to have robust wraparound services. We need to increase our uh, funding for eviction protection. We need to increase our funding for legal aid. And a whole suite of services need to be in place when this wave of, I'll call them workouts. I hope not everybody litigates. A wave of workouts and, and negotiations is going to happen. People are going to need a lot of counseling. We may need to increase the availability of counseling. So I want us to have time to look at all those needs, to fund the additional programs, and have all that in place before all of a sudden people are vulnerable. 
So I'm, I strongly support the action we're taking tonight. And uh, I thank you, Mayor Adegine and, and colleagues on the 4x4, um, including uh, Leah Simon Weisberg, for their work to find a, a reasonable transition and a path forward that protects our most vulnerable and is equitable. Thank you. Councilmember Wengrap. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I, I just want to say that I think the way to protect people from homelessness is by creating robust um, rental assistance programs. And that way, nobody is hurt. Um, what we're trying to do here is balance um, ways, um, ways to protect tenants and also to protect small property owners who have been, you know, drastically, dramatically hurt by, by the failure of their tenants to pay rent. So I really do think that um, uh, rental assistance is the way to go. And I said that previously. Um, you know, I, I'm wondering, I, I read an article about what San, San Leandro did, and I was quite surprised because I don't consider San Leandro to be one of the more progressive cities in the county. And actually, they they don't have that many. I mean, they have about 40% tenants in their city. Most of, Mostly, they have property owners. But I do know that the mayor was very concerned about the exposure that that their extension would expose them to. I read about that, I think, in, in some article in the East Bay Express. And um, he raised that issue. And um, I believe that uh, he asked his city attorney um, how much it would cost to defend the city um, if, in fact, they were sued for, for doing this. So um, I don't know. I have no idea what the risk would be to us, uh, but I do think it's something that, given what's happening in San Leandro, it's something we should be aware of. Um, is it possible to sever this item? to sever the different um, parts of this item? Uh, I'm going to defer that question to the city attorney or city clerk. Apologies, uh, oh, could you clarify what, what? I think Councilmember Weingraf was asking, I, are various parts of the ordinance severable, meaning we could vote on them in separate parts? I think there's a practical consideration about uh, which parts might or might not be tied to other parts, but that's true. Assuming that the city clerk is comfortable with the form in which the proposal, you know, is is made, then then I don't see why we couldn't say sever one component out, take a moment, look at it, make sure that it operates independently of the other components. And then take a vote, um, but but you know to do it on an item by item basis in sequence could be quite tricky. Yeah, I mean this is really is a legal procedural question. That's why I want to defer to you and the clerk because you're the parliamentarians. Well, I, I, the reason I'm asking is because there are elements of the proposal that I support, and there are elements of the proposal that I do not support, and. Uh, I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. So, um, you know, if it were possible to 
to sever out certain components of it, then then uh, that would be great. But I understand that it. Could. I, don't, I, I don't know what the threshold is for being able yeah, to sever. I, I don't want to be the one to make this decision. I, I I think our lawyers and our clerk need to opine on it. Okay. Maybe maybe, maybe they can come back. Well, maybe. They could come back after public comment um, and 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 let us know. Okay. Thank Why don't we do that so we have time to re- review it and opine about? Because there, things some things are some things are tied to other things. So if you don't vote for one thing, and there are five prevailing votes to pass one thing, then you got to change another thing. So it's yeah. it's, a, it's a bit complicated. Yeah. Councilor Kesselwani. Yes, I, I I was just going to add on on Councilmember Weingraf's question. Um, Councilmember Weingraf, do you want to do you want to add what aspect you want to sever so that the city attorney's office could see if it was that issue was severable? Well, the the two issues that I'm particularly interested in are the issues that we brought that I brought forward earlier with Councilmember Harrison, which are the owner move in. Uh, aspect of this item and also the failure to pay rent for an uncovered reason. So if we could sever those two things out, um, that would be great. So that we can vote on those things separately from the rest of the ordinance. But to give thought to how that could be effectuated. So um, I'll have to take a look at it, and I really defer to our legal counsel and about that. But while public comment is progressing, we can they can research it and get back to us. Okay, thank you. Um, seeing no additional counselors wish to speak now, let's proceed to public comment. Um, I may, I'd like to ask, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on item two? I'd like to ask for you to raise your hand at this time to be added to the speaker's queue. Given the time that we're at 9.24 p.m. and that um, pursuant to the Berkeley City Council rules of procedure and order, the presiding officer can limit speaker time to one minute, I'm going to uh, exercise the chair's prerogative and impose a one-minute speaking limit. We're actually going to hear from some people a second time, which we have no problem doing so, but uh, in order to facilitate public comment and the orderly conduct of the meeting, I'm invoking that authority. We'll now proceed to our first speaker, Anna Moore. And once again, speakers have one minute to address the council. Time can be yielded for a maximum of four minutes per speaker. Hi, Anne again. Um, I just wanted to reiterate, we're on the front lines fighting displacement of the most vulnerable members of the Berkeley community. Right now, we're seeing an average of 100 new tenants every month. Pre-pandemic, that number was more like 33 a month. These numbers foretell a drastic eviction crisis once the moratorium lifts. We need a reasonable step-down plan to soften the blow of the eviction cliff. And for these reasons, we commend the mayor and Vice Mayor Harrison for bringing forth this very balanced proposed resolution. Of course, we're not happy about opening the door to owner move-ins and opening the door a lot wider to non-payment evictions, but we understand that there has to be balance. We also commend City Council and the mayor for their continued support of the rental assistance program. As mentioned earlier, the mayor, City Council, and staff has really invested in this program. We are currently out of money. I know that's up tomorrow. We have a wait list and a list of 80 homes that are capped out. So please, we need more rental assistance. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Our next speaker is Carmen Jovell, followed by Leah Simon Weisberg. Carmen Jovell, you should now be able to speak. Hello, my name is Carmen Jovell, and I am the Deputy Director of Housing at the East Bay Community Law Center. I'm speaking in support of item two in support of all amendments to the COVID-19 emergency response ordinance. Since the pandemic and truly since before, our housing unit evolved to essentially run a tenant hotline serving multiple cities in Alameda, including Berkeley. It's imperative that as we start to lift these protections, we do so in basis to ensure that there's enough time to educate not only tenants, but also landlords. While a covered period is helpful, a transition period is necessary. It's important that these protections not, not be limited from not be eliminated from one day to the next and account for the necessary transition phase to allow for proper education campaigns and to allow the court system to attempt to catch up. We're talking about an impending eviction tsunami without a transition period will be drowning before we know it. I can assure you that anytime that there's a change to a moratorium, mentioning of the lift of the state of emergency, et cetera, we get an uptick in calls from tenants who are seeking advice about the protection, eviction protections, about which laws actually protect them and when those will end. The transition Thank period you. is necessary. We'll go next to Leah Simon Weisberg, followed by Laura Bixby. Thank you so much, um, particularly on behalf of, you know, all of the uh, rent board commissioners that were on the four by four. We really appreciate the um, the leadership that the council um, members have taken on this issue. Um, I'm really proud of, of Berkeley that we have been able to so quickly um, figure out a very nuanced transition um, that is going to, to really do the best that we can in a very difficult situation. Um, I think it is, uh, it is time that we move in this direction. And obviously, nobody wants to be the person who says we ended. But I think that this is the, the way we it needs to be done and really appreciate the proposal and um, thank everyone who is who votes for it. And um, fingers crossed, um, you know, we'll be able to come out of this the best we can. Thank you. Laura Bixby is our next speaker, followed by Linda Yu. <laughs> Hi, um, as I stated before, I'm a renter, a mother, and a lawyer at ABCLC. I strongly support passing this item. We need a transition period to educate our community that we serve, which includes immigrants, people with low education levels, and people whose first language is not English. These people are very vulnerable and at risk of becoming unhoused. I would also say that LA County did a similar step-down plan to their eviction moratorium, which really helped to mitigate the negative impacts of the moratorium ending and um, protect the most vulnerable in the community. I think this proposal balances the needs and interests of both landlords and tenants. And um, I thank everyone for their hard work on this. Thank you. Linda, use our next speaker. Hi again, I'm Linda Yu. I'm the co-director of a housing practice at the East Bay Community Law Center located in Berkeley. I am adamantly in support of um, the step-down plan. Uh, without one, there will be chaos that will undo all of the hard work um, that was put into the moratorium in the first place. That chaos will translate into the court system not knowing what to do with all of this influx of new addiction cases, and the community will not have the benefit of having the time to 
informally negotiate uh, between parties um, and plan for um, the the next steps that they they obviously need time to do. Um, the chaos that will happen will translate into increasing our homeless population, something that maybe in a few weeks or a few months, we'll wonder why there are more folks in the streets. And this is going to be the reason, this step-down plan is going to be the one thing that really prevents uh, that influx of homelessness in our communities that we have so far been able to hold at bay with the existing moratorium. Thank you. Our next speaker is Mark Janowitz, followed by Paola Laverde. Good evening, Mayor. Good evening, City Council. This is Mark. Um, I am a housing attorney, as we know, at East Bay Community Law Center. Uh, Berkeley has the tradition of being humane and kind towards uh, all of its people, and that's what this is. This proposal gives a reasonable and translating to kind and humane step-down back to a sense of normalcy and about how evictions go. If a tenant has the BMW and if the landlord is envious of that, the landlord can evict if that if the landlord's uh, if the tenant's failure to pay rent is is not COVID related to the uh, word on the street that has been referred to by Council Member Kesarwani about people holding units off the off the market because of these proposals. We've heard that for 40 years as opposition to any kind of tenant protections. If landlords can afford to do that, and if you think morally it's the right thing to do, do it. These are fair, reasonable. Pass them. Thank you. Paolo Laverde followed by Sable Landrum. Yes, good evening, uh, Mr. Mayor, City Council, Paola Laverde here speaking in my capacity as chair of the Berkeley Tenants Union. By all means, yes, please pass this this uh, transition period. You know, you're hearing it, factual information from the folks from the front lines, Anamora from ED, EDC and from the, my Latina sister from EB, uh, EBCLC and Mr. Janowitz, you know, um, there are people who are really, really need these protections. Uh, we heard it from, um, you know, and, and people will be evicted. This this is not like we're not having uh, evictions. People will be evicted. Honor, honor moving evictions will be allowed. But it will protect people from, um, f- from being evicted um, from uh, golden duplexes. And that's a real thing. That's a real issue. So please show your kindness. Show your humanity and and pass these these uh, this uh, extended period transition period. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Sibyl Landrum. Please forgive my pronunciation. Followed by Megan Gordon. Hi, I am both a staff attorney at East Bay Community Law Center and a tenant. And I want to remind the council of the public health reasons behind the moratorium in the first place. If there is a tsunami of evictions, that will have a direct impact on public health. This is a very reasonable balance that allows a transition period to protect the public health, which is the spirit of the emergency. If there is not a transition period, there is going to be a flood. The court system exists for tenants who, um, for landlords, excuse me, who have tenants who aren't paying and they say have money to pay. And the court system exists for folks who pose a threat to health and safety. This provides a balance to the most vulnerable folks in Berkeley. I also want to point out that it is very expensive to have 
unhoused folks. Unhoused folks cost way more money to the city than preventing homelessness in the first place, and it is inhumane and undignified to kick people out on the streets when they are at their most vulnerable. So I urge the council to pass this transition period. And I have um, some answers to your questions about approximately how many folks would um, have been um, have been evicted. Thank you very much. If you want that comments. data, you can ask me. Megan Gordon is our next speaker, followed by Anne-Marie Hill. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. This is Megan Gordon again from the East Bay Community Law Center. And I want to thank the mayor, Vice Mayor Harrison, um, Council Members Robinson and Hahn for your comments, um, on, specifically on this matter. And I would like to urge um, Council Members Humbert and Professor Wani and Weingraf to reconsider your reservations um, to this particular item. The step down plan is essential in that it will provide a clear and critical information to tenants about the scope and the kind of next steps for the moratorium. And one thing that I want to, to just emphasize is that eviction, the eviction wave, when it hits us, it will hit us so fast. Evictions move at lightning speed. You only have five days to respond to a summons and complaint. And once that wave has hit us, those impacts are devastating and irreversible. This is a measured plan that lays out a clear next step and opens up evictions in a slow, safe, and legal manner. So please, I encourage you to pass it and please do not sever any portions of this um, proposal. I don't think it will be practicable. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Anne-Marie Hill, followed by Vanessa Meadow. Anne-Marie Hill, you should not be able to speak. Hi, I was just commenting. I wanted to say thank you to Rashi. I was the one that called about the bed bugs. And she was asking about health and safety, and Matt Brown commented that he didn't know of any healthy and safety evictions. Um, we've been in contact with the rent board for over two years on our bed bug health and safety issue. Um, we started with Matthew Siegel. He said there's no evictions. I tried mediation again with Matthew Siegel and Omar Kalmus. Uh, and then our tenant got a, an attorney through the eviction defense um, center, Adam Bentley, and I have a letter that says it's unlawful and that I am harassing him and I'm not allowed to evict because of the moratorium. So um, I've been doing this for two years. I've had an attorney. I've paid a lot of money and I'm still told, no, I can't do anything. So it's, he says I'm harassing him. Okay, Vanessa Morero is our next speaker, followed by Kieran Chinoy. Hi, thank you, Mayor. I just want to appreciate your work and um, Council Member Harrison's work on this. I'm an Indigenous Latina. I'm a public sector, sector advocate, a mom, a tenant. I also serve the great city of Berkeley as a rent board commissioner. Um, and I want to definitely make sure that everybody on your team knows how important it is to um, pass this because of displacement. One thing that I think that this will ensure is that we'll continue to have a healthy community that is integrated, as well as making sure that seniors and the disabled are meaningfully supported. And that's a really important area. I'm really excited about conversations about an outreach plan to reach the most impacted communities and developing infrastructure to be able to meet the demand. Thank you for all you are doing and please pass this item too. 
Thank you. Our next speaker is Kieran Chinoy, followed by Daniel. And Kieran, you should not be able to speak. Good evening, Mayor and City Council members. Kieran Chinoy, Government Affairs Director with the Bridge Association of Realtors. Uh, though we acknowledge that the exemptions for owner move-in evictions and for instances where no proof of COVID-related delay has been provided are balanced provisions, the reasoning behind the transition period beyond May 1st doesn't make sense. If the City of Berkeley truly wants to, and I quote, ensure that property owners and tenants are aware that the end of the moratorium is forthcoming, it should avoid the widespread confusion that usually ensues when jurisdictions promulgate conflicting laws and regulations. One of the things that we learned from the pandemic is that the Counties and municipalities working in unison made the biggest difference in avoiding confusion. Please allow Berkeley's moratorium to uniformly and completely end with the county's moratorium. And also please vote reasonably tomorrow and align the city with the state and hopefully the county by ending the health emergency. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Daniel, followed by Peter Solosky. Daniel, uh, you should not be able to speak. All right. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. All right, um, I am in support of the OMI sub portion of this bill. Um, I bought my duplex before COVID, right before COVID, and then got trapped um, in the shelter in place um, stuff. And I'm I'm looking forward to uh, uh, fixing up my uh, duplex to move into it eventually. Um, I, I I I see this bill is uh, compounded with the six month uh, transition period, which I, I feel bad for the um, all the other stories we heard earlier from other small tenants or small landlords that uh, the, the two months was uh, painful enough. So I, uh, I, I'm not in support of that portion of the bill, but I definitely am supportive of the OMI portion. Um, thank you all for your time. Thank you. Our next speaker is Peter Solosky, followed by Vijesh. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is Peter from the Eviction Defense Center. Uh, I want to thank the mayor for this measure tonight, as well as Council Members Weingraf and Harrison for the responsible and thoughtful approach we're hearing discussed tonight. I also want to thank Council Member Hahn for her thoughtful comments on the state of the medical emergency and the, the need to help the most vulnerable. Uh, we've heard about the wastewater numbers. I want to emphasize that the medical emergency is not over for seniors, for the disabled, for the immunocompromised. It's not over because the president or the governor or anybody says so. And, and by the way, the federal emergency is ongoing to May 11th. It's over when the vulnerable, who are so often out of sight and out of mind, are no longer suffering so disproportionately from the medical and financial harms of COVID. We've heard talk about landlord hardship tonight. That's absolutely real. There is hardship on both sides. For tenants, the hardship often takes the form of court judgments, ruined credit, and ultimately homelessness. Let's be clear that the hardships and stakes are never equivalent, and let's please protect the vulnerable. Please pass this. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Vijesh, followed by Chris Moore. Hi, everyone. This is Vijesh. Um, I am speaking about um the the omi situation that i've been wrapped up in we we bought a house in berkeley after almost 14 15 years of saving slowly and and working hard towards it unfortunately we have an egregious tenant who has decided to take advantage of the loophole in the in the moratorium and without any covid related reason 
has been demanding upwards of $150,000 to move out. You know, we don't have that kind of money. That's not, we, we are not, you know, remodelers or, or builders to, to throw that kind of money at it. And now has asked for $50,000 in addition to a $35,000 rent that he owes us since last May that he has yet to pay. Um, it's caused us major financial ruin based on this. And I'm completely supportive of the, uh, the uh, proposal that Councilwoman um, Harrison and Wencraft have, have authored here. Doing option one without option two doesn't make any sense because it, it does not provide us a clear line in the sand of when this all is going to come to an end that we can actually occupy our home. Thank you. Our next speaker is Chris Moore, followed by Zoom user. Hello, this is Chris Moore, East Bay Rental Housing Association. Thanks for letting me speak again. Um, definitely uh, please vote no tonight. I think, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom came out in uh, October 17th and said this was this date was going to happen on February 28th. You guys have had four and a half months to plan this, and uh, now you're waiting and going to take another four and a half months. But, um, hey, I'd like to uh, point out something else. Uh, I've heard tonight, uh, I'd like to see the city do what Alameda County has already done and what the state is doing via AB 2503. Uh, the term landlord is intentionally derogatory term from feudal times. It implies that owners are lords. There are no lords. Uh, the terms additionally offensive to many house providers that are women. It should be a non-binary term. Um, so I'd like uh, the city to look at that. And uh, actually, Oakland just passed it in November as well to uh, have non-binary language. And uh, the city should do that as well. Housing providers is a proper term. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Zoom user, followed by Nathan Mizell. Good, e good evening, Council. Can you hear me? Yes. I spoke uh, during the first item, uh, and I voiced a lot of the. I'm going to voice a lot of the same, uh, hopefully, demands that you guys uh, extend this. A transitional period, which will be very useful. As I said, my name is Nagin Mossad, and I own a small physical therapy clinic in downtown. And I do treat a lot of long haul COVID cases, people that are not able to go back to work, people that are having difficulty taking care of their families and who would be on the street if it was not for the moratorium. At present, this, this uh, extended or transitional period will be able to uh, reasonably decipher who falls in this category and who doesn't. Those people who, who you, uh, who the landlords are claiming are abusing, would not be able to use this. But it would uh, cover those people who have been affected by COVID for an additional four months, which is just and humane. And I hope the council passes item one and two. Thank you. You passed item one. Okay. Um, we'll go next to Nathan myself, followed by Krista. Hello, Mr. Mayor and Council. My name is Nathan Mizell. I am the elected rental commissioner um, for our city of Berkeley. I want to thank the mayor and Councilor Harrison for their work and our the other council members who've also contributed. Um, I think it's clear that this legislation is critical. Um, it is well measured, it is well thought out, and it is certainly necessary um, if we're going to enter a period of transition that is just. Tenants is fair. 
Um, to property owners as well, I, I think quite frankly, this is the most reasonable approach for all sides. Um, and one that honors our commitments to keeping folks safe, uh, to fostering safe and, and healthy communities and ones that are diverse. I, I think this squares all of those values into one. And I really hope that you will pass this tonight. And I believe you will. So thank you for the work and uh, really hope this is passed. Our next speaker is Krista, followed by Roger Halston. Thank you, Mayor, City Council. Krista Goldbranson, Executive Director of the Berkeley Property Owners Association. We represent small owners. 75% of our members have fewer than three units of ownership. So much misinformation is flying around this evening. We always get excused of pushing out misinformation, but the misinformation I've been hearing this evening is extraordinary. The rent board well knows how many eviction notices have been filed with them since the beginning of the pandemic. It's been a very minimal number. That's public data. We pull that data regularly. So if you need help figuring that out, I'm also offering that help. You talk about this need to communicate and ramp down the moratorium so that people aren't surprised by its end. But not once, not once this evening have you talked about how you're going to do that. If you haven't communicated it in the last three years, I don't know how you think you're going to communicate it in the next 60 days. Not one of our members has filed an eviction case during this moratorium because we have consistently delivered the bad news that no matter how high the rent debt has gotten or how bad the situation, they can't terminate the tenancy because of the moratorium. The council needs to think long and hard about the negative impact they've had on tenants. The continued allowance of rent debt to accumulate for people that were already on the edge is going to follow them for the rest of their lives. And now you're proposing they add another six months to that. I will continue to work with Anna Mura of the Eviction Defense Center to get funds out to tenants. I will ask tomorrow night for an increase into that fund. But this has gone beyond anything anyone ever expected. And we have all participated in setting up tenants for a very negative impact for the rest of their lives. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Our next speaker is Roger Halston, followed by Derek Barnes. I want to first answer Sophie Hahn's question earlier about why it was that all this debt has accumulated when government aid was available. Uh, the obvious answer is that many tenants didn't qualify. They didn't deserve the money, according to the rules that were written. That's the case for me. I have a tenant that owes tens of thousands of dollars, and delaying another six months means yet more thousands of dollars are going to be never gained by me, most likely. Most likely, they'll never pay the money because there is, despite this court system, we know the courts move very slowly. And even if we ended the moratorium tonight, it would be months before I would be likely to get any tenants out for non-payment. We all know that's true. So it's just not true that taking yet more months before we can start the clock is necessary for people to plan for the inevitable. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Our next speaker is Derek Barnes, followed by Ida Marchinek. Good evening, Mayor and City Council. That's Derek Barnes from East Bay Rental Housing Association. Um, and I just have a, just a few comments, hopefully to clean up some of the information earlier regarding 
uh, ERAP and um, rent debt. So based on our analysis, we've, we projected that at least 10% of Alameda County households have unpaid rent, and we were very instrumental in providing rental uh, ERAP assistance uh, to both property owners and uh, and their renters, and so we were very close to this process. Um, not all the uh, dollars uh, went directly to owners. Uh, renters could actually um, apply and get the money distributed to them, even without the owner. Uh, about 60% of applications um, were not, I'm sorry, were approved, and that leaves a lot of people who are in need of help and assistance at the household level. So if you need additional information, please contact us. We have a lot of data that um, we can provide to you regarding uh, who who actually received uh, the uh, ERAP funding and the, the, the scale and the scope of the uh, uh, the uh, folks that were left out of the process, which is pretty large and huge. Thank you so much for allowing me to speak. Thank you. Our next speaker is Ida Marchinak, followed by Juan Liu. Uh, good evening again, um, Mayor and City Council. Thank you very much for this um, item. Um, I'm uh, a rent board commissioner, and uh, I would like to echo the callers who have called on Berkeley's um, city of Berkeley's humanity, and um, a caller who mentioned that it was cheaper to keep people in homes than deal with the uh, with the colossal problems caused by homelessness afterwards, and uh, it. It seems to me that the approach uh, outlined in this agenda item is uh, is a very thoughtful and balanced and uh, for dealing with a very challenging situation. I thank everyone who worked on it, and I urge the council to please vote yes on both items one and two. Thank you. Thank you. Kuan Liu is our next speaker, followed by Jessica G. Thank you, Mayor. I'm Juan. I'm, I'm a small property owner. I have owned one property in Berkeley. I just want to bring in the perspective that when you put in the ordinate, thinking that you'll carve out the exception, the reality is not really a viable approach. I mean, in my case, uh, the tenants are violating city code and causing, including enforcement coming after me. I really have no way to put them through. I did go through the court case. And there, for two re for two reasons, it's really hard to get it to win the case. Number one, uh, I'm on the other side of the eviction defense center. They have all sorts of way to drive out the defense costs. Uh, they uh, through the discovery process, through motions, they drive out the, drive out the legal cost. Second, it's really hard to win the argument around housing safety. I think Councilwoman uh, Council Kaswani asked the question. The court to take a liberal case is really hard to prove that. For any ambiguity, they will lean on the side of this law is not clear. And my case is actually thrown out after throw out, after putting thirty thousand dollar already in legal case. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Jessica G, followed by Omowale Bowles. Uh, yes, thank you, Mayor and Council, for the opportunity to speak. I um, support aligning the city state of emergency with that of the county and the state. 
I do have a question respectfully, which is what will be different about the city's approach to communication during this transition period? Uh, what steps will be taken to communicate now that will be that will be more effective than the past three years? And how can important and essential organizations like the Law Center reach out to people eligible for resources and aid who may not have gotten the communication so far? I have a tenant who has not filed for support and it seems does not feel there are any consequences to their failure to do so. I have not filed an eviction and honestly, I do not want to. I would caution the council to remember that small housing providers deserve humanity as well. I am simply at a loss for how to support and encourage my tenant to apply for aid and I'm really concerned about the misinformation and the amount of questions brought forward this evening. It seems to service a lack of understanding of the data. Um, and I just wonder about the incentives for people to seek support when they're eligible and they obviously don't feel that there's any teeth to them choosing to not do so. Thank you. Thank you. Those are all very excellent questions. Um, I think things we need to really take note of as we're working on developing an outreach program. Um, our next speaker is Omowale Fowles, followed by L. Thomas. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Um, I wanted to raise with you, uh, Mayor and City Council members, the phone and uh, uh, Office of Season of Sharing, which is an Alameda County uh, rental assistance program that I have not heard anyone mention this evening. And uh, tenants who are suffering from insufficient funds can call 510-272-3700. It's 510-272-3700. Now, the only problem with that is that the staff of Season of Sharing is only three people to handle all of the calls from Alameda County. It does take a good deal of time for them to get back to each uh, caller. And so uh, item number two would need to be passed because that six months would allow someone to get help from season of sharing. Thank you. L. Thomas is our next speaker. Uh, thank you again, Mayor and Council for hearing me. Uh, just uh, reiterating uh, a few uh, items that were brought forward regarding the uh, moratorium um one it needs to end uh to extend it any longer than it has been it just means that uh more uh property owners will suffer and we're just not talking about people with deep pockets we're talking about working folks folks are retired uh people who are who've supported uh this moratorium people who have great relationships uh with with their with their tenants and um w that's something that truly needs to be uh, reconsidered. I am in favor of uh, of a state, following the state moratorium in Alameda County, but no longer. Thank you very much. Thank you. I don't see any additional attendees wishing to speak on item two. So we'll close public comment and um, I'll bring it back to the council. Um, given that we have about an hour left, I'm going to um, uh, ask that we um, in invoke the five-minute rule for comments. We can always have multiple comments if necessary, but to ensure the orderly conduct of the meeting, I think it imposing a speaking limitation as pursuant to the rules would be appropriate. Um, so uh, let me go to Mr. Darrow and the clerk. Um, during the public comment, I know that you've had time to 
review the ordinance uh, and uh, council member Wengraff's particular request and wonder if you can opine on um, the question of, of severing. Well, it's up to you, but uh, in our view, it would be unclear at the time of the first vote what it is that is being considered if the components of the ordinance are separated and voted on it in, in two separate votes. And so for that reason, we would recommend that, that if there is a, a motion to change the content of the ordinance, that it be made via substitute motion or an amendment to the motion rather than having a, a severed vote in which the voters at the first phase will not know what may ultimately be included in the ordinance in the second phase. Yeah, and I, I'm pulling up the rules of procedure. Um, this is uh, uh, actually the, the section on um, uh, various motions that are in order. Subsection I says division of the question. I think that's that's actually the uh, severance provision. It says if the question contains two more propositions which can be divided, the presiding officer may upon the request of may upon the request of the member shall divide the same. So the underlying question is, can those provisions stand on their own? And what I'm hearing Mr. Darrow say is that it's complicated because certain aspects relate to other aspects and you can't really vote separately on one thing without it affecting the body of the ordinance. So I think it would be appropriate to make a substitute motion to approve the ordinance with the provisions that you want in there, or alternatively make a motion to amend my motion to strike a particular provision that you don't want in there. Um, and then that, if that motion prevails, then that provision would be deleted. And if we need to make adjustments to the language on the basis of that motion prevailing, then we could do so before the, the vote on the um, ordinance. That, so you can make a substitute motion to approve it, and striking the stuff you don't want in there, or you can make a motion to amend, which would be a motion to amend the main motion to take out a particular thing you don't want and to vote separately on that. Did I summarize that correctly, procedurally? Yes. yes. Would... And ahead, okay. we, we may need a moment to, to just take a look it, it, once that motion is made so that we can double check that, that that we fully understand how it ripples out through the ordinance. Because yeah, there's a ripple effect. I apologize if that, if that delays your process, but I'd like you to take it into account if you Sure, of course. Mm -hmm. yeah. Council Member Wengraff? Uh, yeah, so um, I, I really wanted to try to um, put on the table uh, some of the elements of this proposal. Um, but in looking at the ordinance, um, um, it's just overwhelming to try to untangle um, the, the different parts. And so I sort of feel at a loss um, to be able to do that at this late hour. I mean, if I could just make a mo if I could just make an effort to amend your motion and not give you specific ordinance language, then I might be able to do that. But if what you require is specific ordinance language, I think that would be 
overwhelming to try to accomplish at this late hour? Um, well, I think if, if you're going to amend the ordinance, we need to know what you want to be taken out or okay. what you want added. That's the... Spe so like, but specifically, I mean, correct. not generally, but specifically. It would, I believe, I defer to the clerk, and the, but I think you'd have to be specific about what is the amendment. Yes, if, if, if the council's adopting an ordinance, first reading of an ordinance tonight, the, the exact language uh, would need to be included. Yeah, that's the problem. I don't think I can do that, even though I really want to, but that's not possible. Perhaps you can say for the record those things that you did support. Yes. If you don't vote for it, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to do that. Sure. Um, do you want? Shall I do that now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you'd like to. Okay. Fine. To so, um, you know, I I really um, I really support the owner move-in eviction, and I really support the ability to evict for uncovered reasons. Um. The part that I cannot support is extending, uh, is creating this transition period of four months. I feel like the 60 days is the transition period. And that is going 60 days beyond what most jurisdictions in the state of California have done. Most of the jurisdictions in, I would say, 98% of the jurisdictions in California have lifted their moratoriums a long time ago. So I feel like the 60 days is adequate. And um, as, I, as I said before, I, I think that, you know, we need to support the creation of rental assistance to, of a more robust rental assistance program to help those tenants who are really struggling. Um, but I just can't support four months more for a total of six months of small property owners not receiving rent. It just, to me, um, that's inhumane. And, um, and you know, these people are being threatened with foreclosure of their properties. Um, there, there is no foreclosure assistance program that I'm aware of. Um, and I think we're creating, we're creating more debt for the tenant. It's not a perfect, you know, it's, it's, it's a big problem. It's complex, and maybe there's no perfect solution. But I don't think adding six months on is solving anything, but delaying dealing with it. I don't see how how that's helping anything. So once again, I do support the owner move-in eviction. I do support being able to evict for uncovered reasons. Um, it's just the the six months, the, the extension, the four-month extension that I cannot support. Thank you. Uh, I, we have next Councilmember Harrison and Kisarwani in the queue. Yeah, I was going to make a procedural motion to call the question on the motions, the mayor's motion. I think this is the last raised hand, so why don't we entertain it? Uh, usually our practice is we exhaust the speaker's queue before we proceed to a vote. I thought um, we were. <laughs> I thought we had. Not, we had not yet, no. Okay, thank you. And then I'll just, uh, I, I did intend for this to be clear in the motion, but I just want to make it abundantly clear that 
part of my motion to be also making this amendment under 13110030 definitions to the definition of transition period to read the transition period means the period of time beginning with the expiration of the covered period and shall end no later than August 31st, 2023. And I'll provide this revised language to the city clerk. So I, I'd like to make that friendly amendment to my motion and ask, I believe my uh, councilman Harrison was the uh, seconder, if that's agreeable. Yes, that was our intention. Thank you. It was, yes. Thank you. Councilmember Kisawani? Yes, thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. I, um, I understand there's, I, I never thought we could sever it, but I appreciate Councilmember <laughs> Wedgraff um, exploring that. So I, I also want to say, I, I, I just want um, to just be clear about where I stand on this. I support almost every aspect of this ordinance, and I think we are moving in the right direction. I just have a, a real, just technical hang up that I don't believe that the emergency conditions exist anymore. And, and if that was the original basis for the moratorium, I, I have a, just a technical reason why I, I can't support the transition period. And I, so I think uh, Councilmember Wengraff and I are similar in, in that. And I know Councilmember Wengraff, you said you couldn't do a substitute motion. Let me just ask if I, if I attempted to make a substitute motion that stated that we wanted to move this ordinance and delete all references to the transition period, would that be sufficient guidance to know how to change the ordinance? I, that's a question. I, I look to our lawyers and- Oh yes, sort of... I, I was wondering if Mr. Darrow could answer that. If, if you could give me and the city clerk a few minutes to look through it, then we can get you an answer on that. But I think we'll need at least five minutes to really give it some care. Okay. I, I will defer to the chair if, if that's um, possible to give that time. I mean, I don't know if it's going to materially change the outcome of the vote today, but... No, but, I think it gives it gives some of us an opportunity to support what we feel comfortable with. That's assuming there are five affirmative votes for your motion. No, no, I, I'm not assuming it passes. I, I just I'm just saying for those who want to vote on that substitute motion, it gives them uh, an opportunity to do so. Um, I mean, out of respect to to my colleagues who we may, and I think this has been a very respectful conversation. And I appreciate that. I will, um, you know, let's give staff time to to evaluate that particular request. Um, I think it's only it's only appropriate um, out of respect to our colleagues who may have a difference of opinion about the substance of this proposal. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor, and, and thank you everyone for your patience. <laughs> just to be just to be crystal clear about the motion, it's it's to eliminate all references to the transition period. That is all. Yes, and and I actually reviewed the ordinance and those references are pretty clear but of course I, I want to defer to you um, you know because there's a definition of transition period and then it is referenced but I'll, I'll give you your time understood thank you okay um does anyone else have anything to say while we fill this time um or we could take a break let's take a how long do we need Mr. Darrow Five minutes. Let's take a five minute five minute break and we'll be back. 
Okay, I want to check with um, Mr. Darrow. Do you need additional time? Mr. No, we're prepared to, to respond. Okay, um, so we'll, colleagues, we're back in session. We can reconvene. I'd like to recognize the um, Assistant City Attorney. Councilmember Kesarwani had proposed to uh, strike the references to the transition period from the proposed ordinance amendments. And the, the problem with doing that is that there are sections of proposed language which depend upon the existence of a transition period. And so it's not as simple as lining through that phrase or the sections that involve that phrase. We, we would need to evaluate the intent as to say, uh, the best example is O2OC3, which includes a paragraph that has been heavily amended in the proposal, uh, and which it would not be clear what your proposal would do with that paragraph. So uh, we would ask that you make a more specific motion than the one that you've proposed, Councilmember, and I apologize, that's inconvenient. No, no, that is all okay. I, I think with that, uh, I will, I didn't actually make the motion, but I was proposing that I might. So I think I will just leave it at that. And I think it's pretty clear um, what my position is. And I, I think we can proceed to a vote if if that's, if that's uh, where we are. Okay. Um, uh, seeing no other members that wish to speak on the item. We have a motion, which is to approve the item as revised in sub two with the amendment that I read into the record, um, which uh, states uh, under section uh, uh, 13.110.030 definitions, subsection B, the transition period means the period of time beginning with the expiration of the covered period and shall end no later than August 31st, 2023, making it clear that that's the end point. Um, so that's the motion as amended. And with that, I'll ask the clerk to please call the roll. Councilmember Kisarwani. Abstain. Kaplan. Yes. Bartlett. Uh, looks like we may lose Councilmember Bartlett. He's currently um, making in, inconvenient time for him to drop off the call. <laughs> Uh, Councilmember Harrison. He's back. He's back. Oh, Vice Mayor Bartlett on the on the motion. My motion. The mayor's motion. Uh, is he there? Uh, Vice Mayor Bartlett, we're on the roll call for the mayor's motion. Yes, sorry, my my computer ran out of electricity. Uh, yeah, uh, for the mayor's motion, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Harrison. Yes. On. Yes. Lengraf. No. Robinson. Yes. Humbert. Abstain. And Mayor Arden. Yes. Motion carries. Okay, motion carries. First reading is approved. And that completes our business for this special meeting. So I will now make a motion to adjourn. Second. Second. Okay, roll call, please. Councilmember uh, Kesarwani. Yes. Kaplan. Yes. Bartlett. Yes. Yes. Harrison. 
Yes. On. Yes. On Graf. Yes. Robinson. Yes. Humbert. Yes. And Mary Arrigan. Yes. Okay. okay. Thank you all. We are now adjourned. Have a good rest of the evening. <laughs>